Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go on a Tuesday edition of the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. An impressive night for the Sixers yet again. We're all over it. Want to hear from you as well. You know, we talk a lot about coaching in the NBA and what it means and how much stock do we put into it. Nick Nurse has nothing in the bag of tricks right now. So if you're somebody out there that says NBA coaching means a lot, your argument's falling on deaf ears right now. Nurse is thought to be one of the best, certainly the better guy in this series, and he's got no answers for the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a player's league The Sixers have better players, and they are showing you exactly why right now that uh, they are a handful when they're playing at their best. And quite frankly, we didn't see a lot of this style of basketball from the Sixers leading into the playoff tournament. Doc Rivers talked about it last night. I think the point he made regarding practice time. You know, we don't think about that on Tuesday night in February. Why do they look like this? Well, Doc Rivers talked about it. They don't practice during the course of the season. When James Harden gets here, they don't get a week, two weeks, a training camp to put in what they want to put in to get ready for Tuesday night in February when they're playing against the Toronto Raptors on the road. The Toronto Raptors have 75 games of tape on you. They are putting together a game plan on those 75 games of tape because you're not installing new things come April when you're starting to play a regular season game at that stage. So Joe Schmo out there gets pissed off that Doc Rivers doesn't do this and that and the other thing. What he doesn't realize is they're not practicing anything. They're rolling the ball out from training camp, playing an 82-game schedule, seeing where the chips fall, And then this week off that they have, wow, how about that? Doc Rivers actually seems like he has some clue. He's not the bozo that many people out there have painted him to be. Doc Rivers right now, if we're talking about coaching, Doc Rivers is undressing Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse looks like a petulant child who doesn't have an answer for any of the questions on this test. Hey, they gave me all the questions to the test. How come I can't come up with any of the answers? No, the Sixers are showing you a lot differently than the team that they were in January and February when everybody out there gets all crazy 
when they lose a game against a bad team on Tuesday night in February. But right now, the Sixers' talent is far superior to the Raptors, and they are the more prepared team. I'm not calling Doc Rivers the better coach. He has the better players. Nick Nurse can try to scheme up whatever he wants. He doesn't have an answer for Joel Embiid, and now he doesn't have an answer for Tyrese Maxey. And guess what? He doesn't have an answer for this version of Tobias Harris either, and I haven't even mentioned James Harden. Yes, the Raptors are shorthanded, but they are very shorthanded when it comes to being prepared, and they weren't prepared for this series. Their coach, if we want to talk about coaching, has let them down. Many times we look at Nick Nurse against the opposing coach and feel that's the guy that's going to win the game or at least keep it close. They're not close because he has no answers. He can try to scheme up anything he wants. Joel Embiid is just simply right now playing at a level that the Raptors haven't seen. And Doc Rivers has his team playing very confident basketball. I'm not saying Doc Rivers is the reason they're winning. The Sixers have better players. And they are responding by making plays. Doc Rivers can only do so much. But yet again, they hit 50% of their threes in game number one. And we asked the question, can they do it again? Can they make an inordinate amount of three-point shots? Well, last night they hit 46%. Why are they hitting 46%? Well, they are wide open. J.J. Reddick said this morning on one of the shows that he was on, they're getting practice-like looks. In other words, when you're in the gym and you see Ben Simmons shooting threes, and you're like, he shoots threes all the time and makes them. Yeah, because nobody's defending them. Those are the shots the Sixers are getting. Why? Joel Embiid's got three clowns hanging on him. And James Harden is drawing so much attention. You know, the Sixers are running just a simple play that they are just running to death on the Raptors. The Sixers are running just a little two-guard, two-man, top of the key. Maxi sets the screen. They get the change, and they're doing it constantly. We talked about it yesterday. They are getting Fred Van Vliet, who can't defend on the ball. He's a pretty good off-ball defender because he hustles. But when he's on the ball... That's the matchup the Sixers want. Maxi rolls off. He then gets the ball on the wing, and boom, they can't figure out what to do. The Sixers aren't running any elaborate stuff here. This is all basic two-man game, top of the key, pick and roll. But guess what? Simple works. We want somebody to come in and devise a plan to basically, you know, detonate a bomb here no simple works just pull the blue level it'll all go away doc rivers isn't a bad coach the numbers suggest he's one of the greatest coaches of all time but right now he's got the better players and nick nurse who's used to getting his way He is as frustrated as I've ever seen a head coach get inside of a series. 
I mean, he's jawing with Embiid at the end of the game. I mean, it wasn't like out of control bad. It wasn't like in, you know, a shouting match. But Embiid, you know, walks his way over to Nurse. And I think almost playfully was like, you know, what are you trying to do here? And Nurse was like, dude, you're not getting fouled. And Embiid's like, well, I respectively disagree. And I would like to ask you to stop complaining about it. Because the more you complain about it, the more I'm going to take advantage of it. How many times did Embiid get to the line last night? 14. Embiid told him, you want to keep fouling me? And they are fouls. And Embiid said afterwards, I think they're actually not calling enough fouls. And he might be right. And guess what? Shame on Nurse for going down this road. Come on, Nick Nurse. You're better than that. Joel Embiid's maybe the best player in the entire world. And you've got no one to defend him. You came into this shorthanded. We all knew it. I think many of us, myself included, gave your team a little bit too much respect. And it's all because of you. You're the reason the team gets the respect that they have earned, Nick Nurse. Shame on me for putting too much stock in the NBA coach because Nick Nurse can't help his team out right now. Now, Wednesday night, he might devise a new plan, and he's going to need to because the plan he has right now, it's not working. If you're going to keep giving open looks, and if Tobias Harris is going to hit three threes and Danny Green's going to hit three threes and Maxie's going to hit three threes, going to be a tough night at the office so nick nurse whatever's in your bag of tricks i'm waiting to see it because i've been told by the listeners and nba fans how much the coach means and so far i'm not seeing it 609-403-0973 609-403-0973 That's the text board. Your reactions, if you're listening on the free mobile app, on the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, you can message us through the app on your phone. If you had any reservations at the beginning of the series, there's two questions that could really come from this. Do you have any concerns moving forward? One or two. Hey, Danny Green said it last night. The series doesn't start until somebody wins a road game. The Raptors could easily win two at home without uh, Matisse Stiebel, more on that later, and change this series and turn it right back around. Does Nick Nurse, are you guys out there concerned? Do you think Nick Nurse has an answer in his playbook? And if you do think that answer is out there, let me know what it is because I'm not sure I see it. 609-403-0973, that's where we start today. I think there is an answer, but it's not in his playbook. I think it's on his bench. Well, so, that would be so, a part of his playbook. He just hasn't turned to that page yet. Gary Trent Jr. obviously was sick last night. I think by game, the next game, he will be healthy and he'll be good to go. And I think that'll be part of whatever they do to try to win that game, game three. Well, you know, him being out really hurts them. You know, he's a guy who averages 17, 18 points a game. He could shoot the three. Um, the, the problem I have with that thought process is <laughs> that's not helping them on defense. Yes, they're a little short offensively. I get that part of it. Mm-hmm. Their problem is they can't stop. I mean, they just can't get a stop. They can't stop Embiid. Gary Trent isn't going to change their outlook defensively. So, no. yeah, he might score an extra 15 points 
I don't know that that changes the game. Now, if you told me that Scotty Barnes was back and playing, maybe that changes my thought process a little bit because he's one guy who's a little bigger, who might give them more athleticism and rebounding. They're just so small right now. Well, the reason I mentioned Trent, and there's a chance that Scotty Barnes is available. We won't know yet for sure. But my thing is, I think the Raptors, they just might have to concede that they're going to get in a shootout with the Sixers. That they just got to go blow for blow with them and try to win a gun. You know, gunner situation. Like, we, we're, if they're out yeah, shooting you're us, telling, we you're saying win like a 135-130 type of game. Yeah. Because and Trent can do that. When Trent gets hot, he's one of those guys. And I think between him and Siakam, which Siakam, for the losses the Raptors have had, he's still playing well himself offensively. But I think the Sixers have been very smart in what they've said. Look, Siakam, do whatever you want. We're going after He didn't have a huge game last night. He didn't shoot it all that well. I mean, I didn't think Siakam had a great game last night. He didn't have a great game. He's not playing poorly either. No, I mean, but he was a minus 23. Again, it goes back to offense. They're not a very good team in the half court. We've seen that. They struggle there. Part of it's because they're small. The Sixers' length, I think, on defense is giving them problems. Van Vliet, you know, he shot 5 of 16. I thought he got a little trigger happy at times there. They just, (laughs) the length is bothering them on the one end of the floor. Mm -hmm. They're not a good half-court team because they don't have a guy that really puts the ball on the floor. You know, we talk about the problem early in the line. Early in the series, my concern was they had too many. And look, some of those guys aren't playing. Gary Trent hasn't played. Scotty Barnes hasn't played. Um, Van, Fred Van Vliet doesn't seem to be the same guy that he generally is. He, he, he doesn't seem to. Well, they're attacking to... him. That's why. They, the Sixers are literally going after him many times on the floor. Well, the, again, it goes back to what I was saying. The length is bothering Van Vliet. He's the smallest guy on the floor. The yep. Sixers have put Harris on him. They've done a good job of getting length on him. So I think their problem is they're not very good in the half court. But getting Gary Trent back, fine. I'll give you that. That Give him 15 points. He put up a donut last night. Yeah, he was obviously struggling. Yeah, he, he left the game after 10 minutes. He, he did not look you know, healthy. I just don't know where they get stops on the other end. Now, they had the little run late in the game. They cut the lead to, what, 11 or something like that. It was like uh, 96, 85 or something like that. Yeah. And then Maxie hit that three. When Maxi hit that three, I mean, what a series he has had so far. Maxi hits that three. You know, the, the Raptors are cutting back into this lead. They actually won the fourth quarter. They cut back into this lead, and you're thinking, oh, my God, here we go again with one of these fourth quarter blown leads. And that was part of Barkley's beef on the TNT postgame. It happens. I mean, every and yes, it seems like it happens to the Sixers all the time. Guess what? I watch a lot of basketball. The teams blow these 20-point leads routinely. Mm-hmm. It's not just here. But we watch the Sixers all the time. The, the, the Raptors are coming back in the game. The Sixers look like they get a steal. The ball is rolling on the floor. It doesn't look like the Sixers are going to be able to pick it up. And all of a sudden, the ball is rolling, and you're like, oh, my God, they can't even do this right right now. And then this happens. Maxie and Harris are there, and finally Tyrese picks it up. And he's going to shoot a three, and it's in. He saves the day. That's Maxie, and he's miraculous. Maxie on that three makes it 100-86. to And at that point, you're finally like, all right, you finally felt like, okay, we re-grabbed 
the momentum. And then if you didn't think it was at that point, it probably happened at this point. Maxi has it. Sixers on the move with numbers. He goes to Danny Green. Green into the left. He jammed it. Danny Green has found the fountain of youth at a right-hand hammer. Oh, yeah. The Sixers are getting the crowd, and the Sixers love it. Danny Green, what has gotten into you? What a play. 105-86, the Sixers of the lead. And it was at about that point that you felt like, okay, they have turned this thing. It was 105-86. So it went from, you know, a close game, a one not a one-possession game, but one possession could have cut it under double digits to 105-86. to um, and, and then, you know, the team just kind of pulls away there. But other than that lull, they... The Raptors just have not been able to get a stop. And I'll tell you, Embiid last night played 37 minutes. They got 11 minutes out of Paul Reed last night. And guess what? He was a plus eight. You know, generally, he was the only player on the bench last night that had a plus minus of a plus number. Niang came in. He got worked last night. He had a rough night at the office defensively. Niang did. He was a minus eight. Thibel came in, minus three. Milton came in, minus nine. Paul Reed, with his minutes that he got, he was a plus eight. And we talked about how important those backup center minutes are, and they have become very important in this series because when Embiid has gone out, the Sixers have not coughed up the lead. And Reed didn't even have a great statistical night last night. I think he had two rebounds total. That was his night. But guess what? The Raptors can't just freely take the ball to the basket because they have some thought that Reed might alter their shot. And that is a game changer as opposed to DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap. The other team saw those two guys in the game and they went right after them, right to the basket, And when you can take the ball to the basket like that, you can change the momentum of a game, and that's how quickly leads shrink. And Paul Reed has not allowed other teams to say, hey, this guy's in, let's go right to the basket, because he's so active, and he's alters shots, he blocks shots, he gets steals. He had four steals in the two games he played at the end of the season. So I think that's been a big adjustment for the Sixers going to Reed in those minutes. By the way, 23-11 23-11 with Embiid on the bench last night. So, talk about Embiid being out and not coughing up the lead. Huge. Big time. Big time moment it's in the massive. game. It's massive because we saw it during the regular season how much when they had Embiid off the floor it was killing them. Mike, I want to ask you this question. We saw last postseason... You remember Doc got pressed by the media about Ben Simmons and the foul shooting, and he made this whole big, you know, all, you know, the whole hemming and hauling, and all of a sudden he listens to what the media suggested him. Do you think Doc maybe is doing the same thing with Paul Reed, where he got so harassed by the media about Paul Reed, he was like, fine, I'll give you Paul Reed. I don't think that. Listen, I get the whole optics of it is that he's gotten pressured into this, and I know that he went on the attack that game, and I called him out for it. He deserved to be called out. In fact, I thought the owner of the team should have demanded him apologize for the 100%. way he acted. Yep. 
That being said, and I said this before, and I believe this, and I don't believe Doc when he said the coaches. I think the coaches sat with him and said, Doc, we've got to make this change. I think he had enough people in his ear that came to him and said, Doc, we've got to do something here. We've got to make a change. I hope so, because when coaches act like that, the way he did that press conference, it was just such a it was such a bad look for him and the organization. Well, guess what? He has not been a negative. If you want to call him a positive, great. I don't have any problem with that. But all the people out there who always blame coach, blame coaches, blame the coach. Nick Nurse, he's the best, right? Nick Nurse is getting undressed right now. And it's not by anything crazy. It's simple two guards, top of the key, a lot of rub stuff. And then you have Joe Embiid and they don't. Sports Batch is brought to you by AC Airport. Plan your next vacation now. Create memories to last a lifetime. Start with nonstop flights AC to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami. Book your low-cost flight at spirit.com. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. You can download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app in the Apple Store or Google Play. Listen for the Pick Your Trip sounder at 2.55 today. When you hear it, be caller number 7 at 609-573-3776. You'll be entered to win an Eagles road trip in 2022 where you pick the Eagles road game of your choice. Which game do you want to go to? You tell us. 255 today, your chance to qualify. Frank Close has the Phillies mailbag. They lost again last night. Aaron Nola. Sal Palantonio today at 3 o'clock. Latest draft rumors surrounding the Eagles. Andrew DeCecco has football at 4. And you out there. 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. I want to hear from you. Confidence level is where right now? 609-403-0973. Are you concerned? I don't want to say concerned, but do you think that Nick Nurse has a answer when they get back to Toronto? Hit me up with that on the text board. What's Toronto's counter? What's their answer? Let me know. 609-403-0973. Text me at that number right now. I'll read them off. Coming up next. Now, back to more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Travel. With the pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan who's looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. You can check out, they do baseball, football, you name it. Road trips for the Philly sports fan. They do it all for you guys. Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. The free 97.3 ESPN mobile app. Frank Close covers the Phillies. And he's back to take a look at another loss last night and all the questions for the Phillies mailbag, which has uh, been filled up with a lot of questions coming Frank's way at Frank Close as the Phillies lose 4-1 last night in Colorado. Uh, Bats are silent again, and I don't know that anybody, Frank, would have uh, predicted that the Phillies' offense was going to be at the top of the problems list, at, at least in the early part of the season. 
Well, wasn't it a week ago I got a question asking this was better than the 2008 offense? So, right. Uh, very quickly, people's opinions are changing. And I think you this, said yes, by the way. Opinions. No, I did not say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but you take a look at, you know, already 11 games in. I think they've had a different lineup of us every single day of the week. They've already changed their leadoff hitter. Is this a panic? Is this not as good as a lineup as we thought? What do you make of the Phillies? They're hitting 244 as a team, offensively struggling early. I, I will say this. They, they haven't really stuck to that opening day lineup much. I would like to see them just put the opening day lineup out again and see what they can do. Now, I understand the various reasons why they have, have, they've had to mix it up a little bit. They haven't had an off day yet. That's a lot coming out of the gate to play all these games in a row. So you've tried to give some players some days off, even if the days are off in the field. Like Bryce Harper, as we learned, is not going to play right field in Colorado. He's got a little bit of an elbow issue. So he's he's your designated hitter these next few days. Um, but the players have needed a break. You've needed to make some uh, defensive decisions, putting Johan Camargo in when, when the pitcher is a ground ball pitcher. You've tried to play some matchups with the bats, lefty-righty. Uh, but... But really, they haven't had a day off, and I think that that had something to do with with some of this, Mike. Yeah, they usually play that game on opening day, then they have the game off, and then you have a couple of days off in here or there. They haven't had a lot of days off or no days off so far. Uh, what do you think of the lineup being changed already? What do you think of the constant movement? Uh, leadoff guys already changed. They moved that around. New number two, a whole hitter. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't love that personally. I think they should have given it more time. What Joe Girardi said was the main issue why he did it was that with Schwarber batting first and Harper batting third, the other team puts in their tough lefty and then their second tough lefty in a couple spots and really kind of squelched out Harper and Schwarber's at bats. So that's his reason why. Again, I'd still like to see a larger sample size before there's a change. Yeah, I know that Schwarber has not hit much. He has been walking some. I thought I thought they could have let it roll for a little bit longer. Yeah, and they don't have a great option either to uh, replace him in the leadoff spot. I don't know that I love JT Romuto there, um, which means with, when Romuto doesn't play, you got to find someone else to bat leadoff. Um, Probably Segura. Yep. All right, so let's get to some questions because there was a lot this week. Michael wants to know about Odubel Herrera. Let's kind of build off this. Number one. When will he be activated? And number two, when he is activated, does he go right into the everyday lineup? Is it a platoon? Uh, and where would he hit? Well, I think we're getting close to seeing Odupal Herrera. He's rehabbed at Class A Clearwater already, and he's currently with the AAA Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. There he started two games, and he's four for eight. So he seems to be having no problem hitting the ball at AAA Lehigh Valley. I think since the Phillies are out in Colorado, they won't try to fly him out there before the series is over. The Phillies have their first day off on Thursday. I think afterwards you could see Odubel Herrera activated for Friday's game at home against Milwaukee after getting a couple more bats at AAA. Uh, but, but let's face it, this center field is a problem just like it was last year. Phillies already down Mickey Moniak, who was going to be a promising-looking back up in center field, finally get a chance to see what he could do. He hasn't been able to play, getting hit by that pitch, unfortunately, during the last exhibition game before heading north. And Matt Verling, you know, early on he hit some balls hard, but they were getting caught. Uh, he's only got three hits so far. I think they would love to give him a little bit more of a rest there. 
And Simone Moziati, very much overmatched still in terms of offense. You know, he, he was really rushed to the major leagues. He hardly played the last two seasons for, for the COVID year he didn't play. And then, of course, last year he had some visa issues, uh, really never got his season off the ground last year. So he's probably not in a position to be playing Major League Baseball from an offensive standpoint. So for that reason, I think they're eager to get Odubel Herrera back to, to maybe get a brunt of the playing time in center field, uh, maybe go back to that platoon. It's more likely you're facing a righty than a lefty most of the time. So you can still get some uh, verling at bats, maybe give him a chance to sort of get his bat grounded again. All right, Frank, uh, let's go to uh, Paul's question. He wants to know about Alec Bohm. Um, how many errors at third will Bohm make before he loses his job there? Now, that question is interesting because a lot of people have been asking for more of Bohm. Uh, it appears that he's lost that job, but it doesn't appear that it's anybody's job. It just appears that it's a rotating door. So I guess the better question is, are Bohm's errors w- is what's keeping him out of the lineup? I think that would be the case, right? The one thing I said in response to that question was I don't think it's really his third base right now. You know, Joe Girardi's felt a lot better playing Johan Camargo against the ground ball pitchers when the Phillies have a ground let ball me, pitcher Let me ask you a question mound. about that, Frank, because I made this comment yesterday. Do you think the pitchers are going to Joe and saying, look, I, I got you can't play him behind me? I don't think so. I, you know, I, I think the issue here is is really what they've alluded to on the broadcast the last couple of nights. You know, boom seems to have let some of this talk about his defense get into his head a little bit. And they've mentioned they've been working with Alec Boehm, not just on his physical defense at third base, but also in the mental aspects of the game. You know, as Yogi Berra famously said, you know, this game is 90% half mental, <laughs> you know, meaning that there's a, there is a big mental component to this game. Now, in 2020, when Alec Boehm came up and lit the world on fire, he didn't play in front of fans. The fact that he made his I hate it here comment seems to indicate he's kind of letting the fans get to him a little bit. And that's something you don't want to see him do, because if you let the fans get to you, maybe you're out there on the field saying things like, well, I hope he doesn't hit it to me or or, or really distracting you from focusing on the play and what, what to do with the ball if you get it in every scenario. So from what I understand, they're working with him on that. They're trying to get, ease his bat into the lineup whenever they possibly can. And let's face it, Bohm is hitting. That's, that's, that's the thing here. Bohm is hitting 571 so far in a smaller sample size. But take his three-hour game for an example. That's an entire innings worth of outs the pitching staff had to get that day. You cannot win games if you are adding an inning to, to the opposition's um, offense, right? So... So Bohm's got to get it straight. I think the Phillies absolutely want Bohm to work out. They absolutely want him to be able to take third base. Uh, they hired Bobby Dickerson this past year, by the way. They brought him back to the, the coaching staff, a renowned defensive coach, the one that's, that's credited often for working with Manny Machado over the years. They got to get him right. They really need to fill two infield positions next year in replacing Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius. In addition to assuming already that Bryson Stott is taking one of those infield spots. So they really need Bohm for the long term. And to do so, they got to get him right. And I think they're trying to pick their spots where his defense doesn't hurt them so much. And at the same time, he can build some confidence because that seems to be an issue here. Well, and is there a way that they can get his bat into the lineup more? I know with the DH this year, they can't even do that because the whole team is filled with DHs. It's like they're still right. they're rotating DHs, so he's almost got to wait his turn to do that too. 
Yeah, that was one of the things. I, I remember the other day, it seemed like it was going to be an Alec Bohm day to bat. But the way they got him into the lineup was with a designated hitter. But let's face it, right now, as I mentioned, Bryce Harper's a little banged up, not going to play the field. Well, Bryce Harper's going to be your DH, period. So you have to be very, very careful with that. I think they're trying to purposely try to put Bohm in against lefties when they're, when one of their renowned uh, ground ball pitchers like Zach Eflin is not on the mound. So last night was was the day that you would do something like that. Uh, a lot of questions, multiple questions here uh, regarding the manager. And uh, Greg says, simple question, at what point does Joe, Joe Girardi have to be the scapegoat? Joe, how long of a lease did Joe Girardi have? Shouldn't we be close to have seen enough already after 11 games? Come on, Joe. Uh, Connor, <laughs> if the Phillies are out by the trade deadline, will they can Joe Girardi? So, like Philly fans love to do, Frank, it's always the coach's fault. It's always the manager's fault. What say you about Joe Girardi? We are three series in. I, I, I think essentially three series in, right? They're just, they're just getting underway under series number four. The amount of games that they've played, way, way, way too early. Uh, down in Atlanta, the Braves are five and seven. Their starting pitching has been scuffling. Their offense has been hit and miss down there in Atlanta. It happens. It's right out of the gate. And I also want to point out, too, that the Mets, who are 7-3 and three and leading the division, they had two, two basically gimme series, one against the Diamondbacks and one against the Nationals. Neither team expected to contend for anything. And, of course, they, they did take two out of three against the Phillies, but you, know, you, could, you could look back in those series, and it could have gone the other way with a couple of runs here or there. So it's really hard to draw any long-term conclusions out of the gate, especially considering... This short spring training meant that Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez did not even have the 2022 complement of games in Clearwater, again, in live game action. Of course, Wheeler had none. And let's remember, too, two of the Phillies' big bats, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, both of them signed late. Spring training was all, This short spring training was already underway by the time that they got signed. So... It's not totally surprising that, that someone like Schwarber maybe hasn't really found his swing just yet. So it's, it's early. you got to let this play out just a little bit more. I, I think that's way too early to panic on Joe Girardi. But I will point out this. The Phillies chose not to pick up his 2023 option. So they're clearly expecting him to win the World Series <laughs> or at least, at least get to the, playoffs to the playoffs this season. Right? Yeah, he's got to at least get to the playoffs this season. Otherwise, they're not going to bring him back well, next year. So yeah. that's hanging over their head. There's no contract for next year. I think, but I think it would have to be an unmitigated disaster by like June or July for them to even think of letting Joe Girardi, who's a respected manager, uh, and really does have some clout. I'll throw somebody like I'll throw doing. a question I had today on Twitter at me towards you as well. Um, DD. A lot of people are like. They don't want to see D.D. They're done with D.D. I said, well, Stott hasn't done enough to say, D.D., get out of my way. D.D.'s hitting 270. Stott's hitting 180. I mean, do you think that uh, D.D.'s on thin ice? I, I think people just like yeah. to see the younger players. But has D.D. not it's, played it's, well? I see a mix, though. I see a, well, let the young kids play. Well, then, if, you're, if your goal right now is to, get to let the young kids play, then are you not trying to win? Are you willing to take all their lumps as they, as they have them? You know, I, I think... I think back maybe like 15 years to the the St. Louis Cardinals of old. They used to be really good at kind of working the young players in either either in the starting rotation. Like Adam Wainwright came up as a reliever, Lance Lynn came up as a reliever. A lot of the young players, even Albert Pujols back in the day, kind of came in as part time players, got their feet wet, 
and then they they sort of joined the the, the uh, offensive forces that are that were there. So I think the I think the Phillies are perhaps doing some of the uh, same here, trying to trying to work Stott in, trying to work Bowman. But at the end of the day, they're supposed to win playoff games this year, right? That's not the type of season that you just turn multiple positions over to young guys to quote unquote see what they can do. But Didi has been just fine so far. Anyway, at least he hasn't so been far. a problem for them defensively either. Nice, he was a problem. Nice hit last night. Nice yep. clutch hit last night. He did. He had drove in the one run. Frank Close, get the Phillies mailbag every Tuesday here on the Sports Bash. Phillies Rockies tonight, game number two for the Phils in Colorado. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Mike. All right, Sal Palantonio will talk a little Eagles with us on the other side. But first. of the Eagles. I need caller number 7 609 Caller number 7. You are eligible to win a trip for two to the Eagles road game of your choice. You pick the game. We include the airfare hotel, a pregame tailgate party at the game, and two tickets to the game. You must be present to win on Thursday, April 28th at Slack Tide Brewing Company. It's all courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Do Philly Sports Trips with the pros. Plan your trip at phillysportstrips.com. And food will be provided that day at Slack Tide Brewing by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Caller number 7, 609-573-3776. South. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Hey, congratulations, Ryan. In Middle Township, Ryan, you're qualified for an Eagles road trip. You pick the Eagles road game. One lucky winner will get that chance. Ryan, you're a qualifier. If we pick your name on Thursday, April 28th at our Eagles draft party, you'll pick the Eagles road game that you want to go to. We'll pay for the 8th Airfare Hotel, the pregame tailgate party, and we'll give you two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. That's all thanks to our friends at phillysportstrips.com and Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. It's a special primetime edition of the NFL matchup show breaking down the 2022 NFL draft at 9.30 tonight on ESPN2. One of the hosts of that show, Sal Palantonio, who will be covering the Eagles on draft night. I just got that uh, sent to me as well. He'll be one of four reporters with the teams, and you will be focusing in on Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles, Sal Palantonio. How are you? I like the way you said that. Prime time special NFL. You know, I don't get to be in prime time very often. It's kind of nice. <laughs> well, it's uh, tonight at 930. You guys will be going through the draft, breaking it all down. And look, this draft is a very important one for Philadelphia. They got five picks, Sal, in the first, what, 101, I think, is their last pick of the third round. So they have five of the top 101 picks in this draft. You are correct. When you have five of the top 100 picks, you have a chance to really dominate the draft. They got two ones, a two, and two threes. So you have a chance to really bolster the team. I mean, it's set up right. 
and, and, and as you know, I said on your show, they weren't going to pick all three they had in the first round. I said they were going to trade it. We talked about it on your show first uh, several weeks ago before it happened. There was no way they were going to pick three times in the top 20. It didn't make sense. Set them up, set themselves up perfectly. Now they have Howie Roseman has 13 picks in the first three rounds over the next three years. That's the most in the NFC. Only the Texans have more at 14. And as we know, the Texans are irrelevant, so it doesn't really matter. But um, they, he, he set up. And, I, and what I'm reporting tonight on Channel 6 is that Roseman is talking to teams all over the first round, prepared to trade up or down, trade up or down, to find a couple of starters on defense. You know, with uh, Jalen working out in California on his passing game, I think with a little help on D, a couple of starters or a couple of major role players, uh, they they can supplant the Cowboys as the division champs. This so, when it, oh, Sal, when you out. say they're looking around to try to find starters, you're talking about proven players, finding players that are established veterans. No, no, no. I'm th- I'm talking about in this draft. Okay. All right. All right. That's what I'm th- trying to clarify. Are you looking for? Are they looking for players that have already been in the league or more draft picks? No, I think they're looking for players mm-hmm. on the in the draft. Yeah. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis, Andrew Booth, Ahmad Gardner. All those players were in the Eagles facility. Uh, they've done a ton of work on on Traylon uh, Traylon Burks of Arkansas. And how many times have I been on this show, the Sports Bash with Mike Hill, pleading with them to get a big body wide receiver, a Metcalf, a Jefferson? Yeah. Now you got Burks is there. Burks is big. He's certainly big enough. He's six three. He's over two hundred and thirty pounds. He runs a four four forty. Not slow. That's not slow. That's not that's not Tyreek Hill fast, but it's not slow. Um you know, he could drop in their lap. Just, Mike, please take him. Take him. Okay, well, here's my question for you, Sapel. You are one of four reporters on site with teams that night. Uh, Diana Rossini, I think, is with the Giants. Jeff Darlington is somewhere. And Kimberly Martin, I think, is with the Jets. <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kansas City. Kimberly Martin's with the Jets, all right? And then Sal Powell's with the Eagles. All right, there's your four. Is Sal Powell going to have to make an early appearance on that draft night because of a trade. Is Howie Roseman going to move himself up or is he happy with where he's at? I don't think he, I would say it's 50, 50 that they will move down. I think there's a 10% chance that they will move into the top 10. Uh, and if they do, it will be for a defensive player. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if they were to move, would it be for a one of these wide receivers, as you've uh, suggested there, or is it for a defensive player, like you mentioned, that they're trying to move around to get deep, more defensive players? So you say if they're to move up, it's because there's a defensive player they like. Yes. So, you know, they're not going to move up for Garrett Wilson. He's not that good, and he's only 5'11". Drake London from USC, you know how I feel about Pac-12 players. No way. <laughs> no way. Yes. No way. Alec, Alec Pierce of Cincinnati, not as good as Traylon Burks. Burks has got basketball hands. He's got, he's like a total freight train coming downhill. He's so big and fast. His speed is good enough. He's got elite power. He can limp off chunks of yards. He can blast through tacklers. Uh, I mean, to me, 
if Burks is hanging around at like, you know, 14 or something, I would go up and get him for sure, for sure. Now, your friends over at ESPN.com today, Mr. Todd McShay, he has the Eagles going with Jamison Williams, Alabama, right conference, but coming off of an ACL. Do you think that would that deter Howie Roseman? You know, I wouldn't do it. I think it's too much of a roll of the dice. It's not something you want to have on your resume as a first-round pick. Secondly, you know, he's another wide receiver from Alabama. You already got one of those guys. And I think, you know, in terms of, hey, listen, Traylon Brooks comes into the – he goes to NovaCare day one. Day one, you put him in the slot and you let him terrorize the middle of the field. Traylon Burks, by the way, just uh, looking through, uh, is at 23. McShay picked him to go to Arizona. That's because Mel Kuyper went with Christian Watson to Green Bay, North Dakota State. All these North Dakota State guys keep getting into the first round. He's a big, uh, like, 6'4 wide receiver, but Traylon Burks has him at 23. So, according to uh, your friends over there at ESPN.com, McShay and, and Kuyper, it sounds like Burks could be at least in the neighborhood when the Eagles pick. Yep, and if you pass on him, you're going to be passing on Justin Jefferson. Well, that would be a big problem, then, and that would be a big mistake. They've made that mistake before. That would be three uh, receivers in the first round. And they have the luxury, though, Sal. I guess that's why they can think about doing that. If they only had one first-round pick, it would be hard to do that for a third straight year, don't you think? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that they're going to pick a wide receiver, uh, go up for a wide receiver. I think if they're going to go up, it's going to be for a corner right, or, or a defensive tackle because the way that they're building the roster – you know, they're not going to pay any more money to the defensive tackle position. They need a first-round pick on a rookie contract at D-tackle. That's what they need. Someone who's going to be the heir apparent to Fletcher Cox. Right, I agree with that. So I'll be surprised if, or, or somebody who's going to be the heir apparent to Brandon Graham. Yeah. I mean, Hassan Reddick might be, but he's, you know, he's got money. They put money into the pass rushing with uh, the two signings that they had. This offseason. So I would be surprised if it wasn't a corner or a defensive tackle. The, the thing is, you know, they went after Gilmore and didn't get him. Right. I was just bringing I that think up. They, yep. And they, they don't really – nobody in the league really wants to start a rookie corner on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's a tough position as a rookie. We know that. Everybody who watches football knows that. You know, you want somebody who can play inside and then move outside – Unless they're truly, you know, an outlier, great player. But they're, those are rare. Now, is Ahmad Sauce Gardner that guy? He might be. Um, you know, he, he could be. But there's a lot of teams that are interested in drafting him. And I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if they were able to go up there and get him. Um, so I don't see them moving up necessarily to get a wide receiver, possibly a corner. Definitely a defensive tackle. That's where I see them possibly moving up to go get okay. those players. But, again, it's a 10% deal. It's hard to do. Everybody says, oh, yeah, I want to move up. I want to move up. It's hard to do. And there's a lot of draft capital you have to put in a player who will demand a big contract down the road. Uh, the special primetime edition of NFL Matchup Show tonight at 930 ESPN2. Uh, Sal Palantonio, let me ask you then, um, you take a look at, for years and years and years, 
linebacker, and everybody laughs, linebacker, is it a possibility? It is, because I think Devin Lloyd is that good. Devin Lloyd out of Utah is that good. So let's say they're at 18. They already got the defensive tackle. And, um, you know, maybe they slide down a couple of slots and pick up a pick. Maybe they trade with the Steelers. Steelers want a quarterback. Steelers want to jump ahead of the Saints. We're at 19. So they say, you know what, we got to go get our quarterback at 18. Mm -hmm. Howie and uh, the Steelers make a deal. Then he slides down and he takes Devin Lloyd one spot ahead of the Patriots because I know Belichick loves Lloyd. That position has, I and I ask wondering, because that position has kind of changed over the last couple of years, where linebackers are now a prominent part of it. They, they kind of were phased out, but that, now they're kind of being becoming important. Again. Not that they weren't important before, but there's a bigger importance. Look at Tampa's defense. Look at some of these defenses, where the, the linebackers they have roving around. Sure, and you're playing a lot of sub-packages, so you sometimes only have two on the field. <clears throat> right. If you only have two on the field, they better be good. <laughs> And so far, uh, the last couple of years, Philadelphia has not been good. Although they, they brought Edwards back. They seemed like him. They seemed to like him. Uh, Kazir White, they brought in from the Chargers. Um, so they, they seem like they have at least, um, I don't know, stabilized the position if they don't target a, a first round. But I love what you said because Devin Lloyd is that good. And I hope Roseman feels the same way. But I like the way you mapped it out there with Pittsburgh getting involved and moving them back. Yeah, so, you know, how we talked about it at the owners' meeting, the buzzword around the league is roster management. Because so many of the, the premier positions are getting big contracts with guaranteed money. So you need rookie deals on other positions. So they dump the money into the defensive end spot. They put a lot of money into the linebacker spot. They have a hole at corner. They know they're not going to bring Fletcher Cox back after this year, so they've got to have the air apparent to Fletcher Cox. And there are good D tackles in this draft. So look at what they've done to give you clues as to what they are going to do. That's a good point. Now, they whiffed on a lot of wide receiver deals, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's clear they want a wide receiver. They, they sniffed around Christian Kirk, uh, the guy from Atlanta who got suspended, yeah, Calvin Ridley. Ridley, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So they, they have done a lot of work in trying to get another wide receiver in here, and they're looking for a slot guy who can create his own shot. Um, Traylon Burks, he <laughs> Traylon can do Burks. it. I wonder he bef- can create his own shot and break tackles, and he played basketball. He's got great hands. Remember that guy, Nick Foles? Yep. Remember him? He played basketball in high school. Remember how softly the ball landed in his hands during Philly Special in the Super Bowl? <laughs> he, he squeezed it like it was a baby come down, uh, you know, from out the window. Well, they could like use a, a guy like that. They got one on the other side like last year. This kid Smith can play. They got one on the other one. They finally hit on a receiver last year. If they can do it again, I'm okay with that. Um, real quick, Sal Pal, tonight the matchup show nine thirty. What's in the A block? What are you what are you guys chewing on first? 
we're going we're gonna to go all over the quarterback position, and we're going to break down why we think there's a certain quarterback. And we're going to give it away. Certain quarterback. TVTs here. Professional TVTs. You ready? There's a certain quarterback in this draft that's separate from the others. And we're going to try to prove tonight who that is. And that, that quarterback has the ability to step right in and play the position right away in the National Football League. And by the way, I just like the way you say special primetime edition. That was cool. Because, you know, I don't get to be in primetime that much on the matchup show. Tonight's tonight, 9.30, ESPN2. No Sixers. So you can get all your NFL draft coverage <laughs> with two picks in the first round, five in the first 101, and all these quarterbacks. Uh, how many are going to be in that first round? And by the way, eight teams have two picks. That means eight teams have no picks in the first round of the draft. That, first time that's ever happened in NFL history. Adds to the intrigue. I can't wait. All right, draft coming up. Sal Palantonio tonight. Who's with you on the show? The great Greg Cosell, founding father of the show, as we like to call him, and Matt Bowen, the coach. I like that coach crew. I like that crew. I like that crew a lot. 9.30 tonight, a special primetime edition of the NFL matchup show with the host, Sal Palantonio, right here on the Sports Bash. All right, Sal, I'll be watching. I'll take my picture and hey, send it to you. Uh, I'll, I'll call in from Novacare next Friday uh, after they make their two picks. Sounds good. I got you booked. All Fr- right, brother. Friday, 3 o'clock. We'll clear it out. Take care. Sal Palantonio, ESPN national correspondent, only here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. I got some draft over-unders, Josh. I want to throw these your way. We'll do that coming up on the Sports Bash Live. I want to see what you think on where these guys could go because that could give us some interesting clues. You say? Got text messages coming in as always. Hit me up on the text board, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. And if you're listening on the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, you can message us through the app on your phone, just like Nick in Dover, Delaware did. It says, how about the look on Van Fleet and the bench when JoJo hit that corner three? Dude, that three. I feel like once or twice a night, I look at my girlfriend and say, you know, he's seven foot two. He shouldn't be doing these things. I think she's understood now how special this guy is. She's a basketball fan. Like, she's, you know, she's into it. That shot that Embiid hit was insanity. There's just no way that a man of that size should have the skill set to do what he does. But he's doing it. Hey, more of your texts. I want to read them off. So get him in right now. Wide open on the text board. I'll read them off next. 609-403-0973. Plus, I have draft over-unders. I'll throw them Josh's way. What else do I got? Something else on my mind. Oh, here you go. This is for, uh, I'll ask you, Josh. You can play along. You like these type of games. Okay. Right now, the answer to the question is easy. What's the most popular sports league? Leagues and sports. What's number one? NFL. Easy. What's number two? That might be the surprising answer. Think about it. Coming back with that and more Sports Bash here on a Tuesday. 
on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 326 on the Sports Bash. Football at four with Andrew DiCecco. Got more on the Sixers win last night. Some thoughts on that. You know, hindsight is a great thing to have. If Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent were not going to play, and now Trent played last night, but he was completely irrelevant, played 10 minutes, shouldn't have been out there. If you told me at the beginning of the series those two guys were going to be out, I'd probably have the Sixers in five. I couldn't account for them not playing. So I can't say all of a sudden the Raptors are completely overmatched. I would sound like a buffoon. I didn't know Scotty Barnes was going to get hurt. I didn't know Gary Trent was going to be sick. I would expect the Raptors to have lost game one anyway. And quite frankly, I probably would think they would lose game two. The Sixers should win both games at home. That's what good teams do. It's what happens in game three that starts the series. If the Raptors win, that's what's supposed to happen. And if they don't, it's because they're overmatched. The Raptors can't make adjustments that they want to make because they're missing last night two key players. So it's easy to say... The Raptors are completely overmatched. I told you so. Well, if I told you or if you told me at the beginning of the series, hey, Mike, what do you think of this series? And, oh, by the way, Scotty Barnes is going to turn his ankle in game number one, and Gary Trent's going to get sick as well and probably not be a factor in game number two, I would say the Sixers are going to win both those games. But guess what? I probably would say the Sixers would win both those games anyway. It's game three that, to me, is the big one. If the Sixers go, right, if the Sixers go to Toronto and are able to win game three, they've got a stranglehold on this series. It's just going to be too much for Toronto to overcome. But if Toronto gets game number three, well, that changes the narrative all of a sudden. So don't be the guy that says, well, I picked the Raptors in five and you said there was going to be seven. I said it was going to be seven because the personnel was different. If you told me the personnel was going to be two and really three, Thaddeus Young not being a part of this series has kind of hurt the Raptors too. He's kind of a veteran, you know, does all the dirty work for them. I think he played like five minutes last night. He was really a non-factor in this series so far. So if you told me those three guys would be out, then, yeah, I probably would say the Sixers aren't going to need seven games to to dispose of this team. But don't be that guy. You sound like a jerk. Yeah, you you sound like a a know-it-all. That's what you sound like. Right. Um, Nobody likes a know-it-all. 
Don't overlook how dominant this team was both games. Easier said than done, and they did. Here's what I'll say to that. Um, The Sixers hit 50% of threes in the first game. They hit 47% of threes in the second game. If they do that, they're going to win a lot. It's hard to keep that pace up because one day, inevitably, we're going to come in here and say they didn't shoot very well. Agree or disagree? There's going to come a game, multiple games, <laughs> where they, they just don't, don't do shoot. It. There's no way you can consistently hit that high of a percentage. You don't have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant out there. No, they are shooting abnormally at a high clip right now. Maxi yeah. is shooting at a high clip. Yeah. Tobias Harris has been ridiculous. Tobias just can't miss the last two games. No, no and then last also, night you had an unbelievable effort from Danny Green. And by the way, don't forget, there's a long history of role players not shooting as well in road games. Don't forget that. Yeah, and I would keep this in mind. Danny Green played in Toronto. He won a championship there, so he should be a guy that being in Toronto shouldn't phase him all that much. Uh, Tobias has been there. They've played in the series in Toronto a couple of years ago. Uh, the guys that you got to worry about. It's likely Maxi. What kind of uh, what does the road game bugaboo do for Maxi here? Does that gonna bring him back to down to earth a little bit? We'll see. Uh, Paul Reed, if he plays some minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes, how are those minutes gonna go? Niang. George Niang did not play well at home last night. So now putting him on the road, what Niang are you gonna get there? So keep in mind, guys. The Sixers should be commended. I'm not taking anything away. They shot 50% from three in game one and 47% from three in game two. Incredible. Does anybody think that's going to happen in game three? No. I don't either. So they have been dominating. One of the reasons why they've been so dominating, they haven't missed from three. And that is hard to do. It's borderline impossible. 609-573-ESPN. ESPN. 609-573-3776. The Sixers were winning in five regardless of who's playing. You were wrong. Those injuries were just an excuse for your second, your scared pick. Did the Utah beat Dallas without their best player? I don't think Barnes or Trent is Luka Doncic. Uh, the Sixers were not going to win this series in five regardless. And quite frankly, I'm not sure they're winning this series in five. I'm not fully sure what the guy's point is, honestly. I don't, I don't know. He just wanted to say you were wrong. I think that was it. I think he just had a great time thinking in his mind that you were wrong. Well, I'm sure that that individual, if we recorded everything they said for four hours a day, every day of his life, we find something he said wrong, too. Congratulations, oh, buddy. I've got endless amount of texts from this gentleman who are wrong about 95% of the time, including this one. By the way, this series is two games old, and the Sixers won two home games. What did you think was going to happen? The home team usually Look, you, wins these Gary games. Trent and Scotty Barnes is 33 points a game, okay? It's 33 points a game that has been taken out of their lineup. Mm-hmm. If you don't think that those two guys being out is a factor, well, I guess we disagree. We just disagree. I think if my team was missing 33 points a game, that at the end of the day, we would say, you know what? My team is simply not as good. I'm missing 33 points a game from my lineup. We probably 
look, we're shorthanded anyway. We're not the we're not the more talented team anyway. Okay, we're not the better team anyway in this series. So now we're already at a disadvantage. Right. The two best players in the series both play for Philadelphia, and it's not close. Right. You got a historically great player in Joel Embiid and one of the top 75 players of all time in James Harden. Toronto has nothing close to that. Philadelphia has the talent edge from Jump Street, right? Right. And now you tell me that two, 33 points of my team has been taken off the floor. That widens the gap even further. Now, to say... I had the Sixers in what six or seven? I think I had six. Ryan had seven, or I had was it seven. vice versa? I know I had seven. I think I might have had six, and he had seven. It doesn't matter. Maybe I had seven. Maybe he had six. I don't remember. You had six. I don't care. Even if I had seven, the point is, the reason is because of the fact that they had those players in the lineup. They don't have those players in the lineup now. If you told me at the beginning. Hey, those two players are out. I'd probably say, I think the Sixers, now the talent deficiency is way too much. Barnes is a big problem. He was a big problem in game one. He was a big problem in game one because of his size with Harden. See, when they make the switch like they do now, it's a different situation when Barnes was out there than when he's not out there. They don't have that length. They don't have that size. And Trent not being out there has really crippled them in the half court. Absolutely. The point that he makes about Dallas and Utah Look, Luka Doncic is the best player, period. No question in that series. But Dallas was the better team all season long. Yeah, if you watch Dallas, you would know why Jalen Brunson went off last night. Correct. Dallas is the four. Utah's the five. Philadelphia's the better team. You're acting as if Toronto was the better team and then lost their players. Yeah. You're saying Dallas. Well, Dallas is better than Utah. So I'm not surprised that Utah lost to Dallas even though Luka's out. Dallas is a better team than Utah is. And don't forget, you know, before they got Spencer Dinwiddie in that Porzingis trade, Brunson was the stabilizer offensively this season. I would know. He's helped me win my fantasy basketball league. Uh, Mike, I agree with you. Love this team and the fight they have. Hard to sweep anyone in the East. I don't think this is going to be a sweep. I think I actually think Toronto probably finds a way to win game three. I, They'll get Trent back. Yeah. And that should make a big difference. I don't think Barnes will be back, though. I think in the end, not having Barnes is the one guy they probably... Well, they couldn't lose Siakam, obviously. But in yeah. terms of, the, of their secondary player, losing Barnes was a huge loss for them because he's a big guard. Mm-hmm. you got a 6'9 guard. and He's very athletic. He's, exactly. I would say, and he's long, and he's athletic. When they lost Barnes, they lost a lot from that team. He's a guy who gets 15 points a game, almost eight rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. He almost gets a steal and a half a game. He shoots the, you know. Shoot the lights out. Well, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he shoots the mid-range shot for them. He's he's a He adds to the – because their half-court offense is so tough. They don't score in the half-court, but he shoot, he'll shoot the ball. He averages 13 shots a game, so he will. he's a guy who's willing to take a shot. Losing him and Trent is it's just two guys that really hurts for them. Their half-court offense this year was built around the fact that they could spread the floor when they had Van Vliet and Trent and Barnes and Siakam and then fill in the blank guy, whether it's Ananobi or whoever – 
the theory was is that all five guys could shoot. So when you space the floor that way, it allows you to just whip the ball around and find the open guy. That's basically what their half-court offense was predicated on. Now that you lose two of those guys, now it becomes, well, how are you going to create offense on a team that doesn't have a traditional point guard? Yeah. 609 573 3776. 609 573 3776. This poor guy that uh, texted in about the five game thing is getting hammered now. Most people are agreeing with me, obviously. Um, hey, look, hindsight's great. You think that the Raptors were going to win the five at the beginning? I never saw you document that, so I can't verify that you did or didn't. I'm not saying you didn't. Maybe you're the Grand Wizard and you knew. <laughs> but you were one of the few, and maybe you knew Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent were both going to be out beforehand. Maybe that was it. Maybe you knew those two guys were going to be out beforehand. If you told me those two guys were going to be out beforehand, I would agree. I would say Toronto probably does no shot. They just don't have enough down and depth without those two guys. They're too short without those two guys, and they have no size for Embiid. You know where they're really hurt with those? Barnes' defense is a big problem for them. They, I said, what did I say in the beginning? They can't get a stop. Last night, they could not get a stop when they needed it. They had that little run there. That was more the Sixers, though, than them getting stops. Correct. Uh, Mike, Tobias Harris is probably as good as Toronto's best player, Siakam, which means Toronto didn't have a chance. I don't agree with that at all. I'll take Siakam over Tobias Harris all day. Aside from the fact that Siakam's got a, a championship ring on his finger, people forget he was a big part of that team winning that championship. Dude, talks first about off, people, if you say that, Pascal Siakam, um, to, to make that comment is asinine. Siakam's been to an all-star game. That's number one. And, and some people say, who cares? In the NBA, to make the all-star game, that means something. When you're it's an all-star easy. in the NBA, right, it's not easy to make the NBA all-star game. Uh, so he's been an all-star game. Tobias Harris is not. Now, he's a low-level all-star. I'll give you that. I'll tell you Siakam's a low-level all-star. But he's done something that Tobias hasn't. Well, a couple times. He's a better Tobias. player than Tobias Harris is. I'll take Siakam over Tobias Harris all day, every day. Dude, you you can you would probably have to give up a first-round pick to get Siakam off of Toronto. Right. Nobody, nobody would want Tobias Harris they try to trade him. Nobody wants him. Yeah. Siakam would be somebody, you know. And, look, Siakam's a different player than Harris. He's not a great three-point shooter. Everybody judges on three-point shooting. But he's a, he's just a better scorer than Harris is. He's better finisher, better a, around the rim. He's a better defender. Much better defender. But he's better around the rim, and that's where Harris really struggles. And that's where this team needs him a lot. Now, Harris has been better in these playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. And the other guy... On this team that doesn't get enough credit is, is is Van Vliet. I mean, Van Vliet, because of the fact that he's, you know, he is a undrafted player. Um, he's another guy. He's an all-star. He made the NBA All-Star game. That's not easy to do. He's a stud. To be an NBA All-Star means you are one of the best 15 players in the entire conference. All right? They have two All-Stars on their team. The Sixers have two. And Tobias Harris isn't one of them. Van Vliet is better. He's a better overall player, I think you would say. I'd rather if now they're different positions, Van Vliet and, and Harris. I would say that the players hierarchy would go Embiid, Harden, Siakam, Van Vliet, and then probably Harris. I would say Maxi, then Harris. All right, Maxi right now, then Harris. Fine. Um <laughs> 
But I'm saying, the, the Sixers have the first two players. Correct. I think Toronto has the next two. Although Maxi right now, the way he's playing, that's another thing. The way Maxi's playing. He's really good, man. Yeah. 609-573-3776. A lot of texts coming in. Got people listening on the mobile app, messaging us over there as well. If you're listening on the app, message us through the free mobile app. Um, I asked a question. Pulling that up, sorry. I came for the draft talk, but the guy on the text board derailed us. I got the draft stuff right here. Uh, Share of U.S. adults who identify as fans of the following sports leagues. Okay. You said number one. Survey says. NFL. NFL, 67%. Do you have a guess on what number two is? Can I ask a question before I answer that question? What's the spelling bee? Yeah. (laughs) You want me to use it in a sentence? I want to know, is this surveyed Americans or surveyed international? I said that. Share of U.S. adults. Then I would go NBA. Number two. It is not NBA, and I was pretty surprised. Is it Premier League? I will give you the sports. Okay? All right. These are the ones that were involved. NBA, college basketball, college football, NHL, Major League Baseball, soccer, and the NFL. I would go soccer, then would be number two. Soccer. Last, number seven. 32% of U.S. adults identify as fans of soccer. Seems a little low, but all right. Uh... I guess college football then? College football. 52%. Number three. Fans identify as fans of college football. What's number two then? Mm -hmm. That was my question originally. I I mean, I'm running out of ideas here. I mean, I can't gave you this. I gave you the seven sports. What do you mean you're running out of ideas? I gave you the ideas. I'm I'm trying to be objective and rational over here. It sounds like these people are either lying to these survey people or they caught them right after the NCAA tournament. College basketball? College basketball, number five. 43% identify as fans of college basketball. Where's baseball on this list? Would you like to guess baseball? Like I'm running out of ideas, sure. You mean to run out of ideas? You only have two ideas left. You've said the other five. Well, you tell me if you tell me baseball is second on this list, I call bullfooey on this list. 55% of U.S. adults identify as fans of baseball. Number two on the this, list. This survey is baloney. I'm a fan of baseball. Yeah, but you're not the average sports fan, and neither am I. More sports bash on the way. Now, back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. I miss, tell them I'm Harlem, oh, oh, oh. 
All right, 10 to the top of the hour. Uh, Cohen LBI checks in and says, Come on, Josh. Baseball is second in TV ratings. That's actually a farce. Baseball is very high TV ratings in specific regional markets. Yeah, just like every other sport. So, like, for example, if you go to St. Louis, they love the Cardinals. Just like every other sport except for football. Yeah, Re- regional high level of people doesn't mean the sport is a universal. Yeah, but buff. no other sport other than football has a national appeal. Well, basketball usually prime time basketball usually gets very good numbers. The USFL game on Saturday had as many people watch it as the NBA. They had three million people watching. Three point five million watched the uh, USFL. Football is crazy. So take that. 3.5, watch the USFL game on Saturday. What do you think will be watched more tonight? The the Greg Norman 30 for 30 or Sal Palantonio's NFL matchup show? I didn't even know about the Greg Norman 30 for 30. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm DVRing both, so I don't miss either one. Yeah. The the USFL TV ratings tell you all you need to know about the uh, – Yeah, I, I saw it was, it was 3.5 million people watched the game on Saturday. If you take the numbers of the NBA, more people are watching that than most television shows. Yeah, the TV shows. That's a statement you just threw in there. Most TV, yeah. More people are watching the NBA than are watching, uh, I don't even know what network TV show. Nobody's watching those shows. This is Us is a very popular show. Not for me, but for a lot of people in this country, NBC. But yeah, nobody's watching TV shows. This was a question about what sports are people watching, not are you watching This Is Us? Okay. Sunday Night Baseball. How many people are really watching Sunday Night Baseball? Uh, The ratings for Sunday Night Baseball, are they, they get like 2 million. Okay. So an NBA game gets more people watching. Not a regular season NBA game. This is an NBA playoff game you're talking about. I said a primetime NBA game. During the season isn't getting – it's about – same thing, about 2 million. They're very comparable. And that guy might be right. I don't know where they are in the pantheon of ratings. But Sunday Night Baseball is somewhere around 1.5 to 2 million. You know, if the Yankees or Red Sox are playing, if it's uh, the Guardians playing, uh, the Nationals, you might get a different game. It's like basketball. LeBron's on a game where people are going to watch them. Yeah, exactly. But you're making it out as if baseball is getting 150,000 and basketball is getting 2 million. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, you know, typically – you know, if you go out or you run into your buddies at the bar, or in my case, the gym, more people are talking basketball than baseball. More people, they go to the, you know, the we bar. We hang out in different spots. Because my buddies, a lot of my buddies are bigger baseball fans than basketball fans. You're also an older demographic than I am. Exactly. And but, baseball trends older than But that's younger. what I'm saying is people in my demographic seem to like baseball more. And people in my demographic tend to like basketball more. Right. So they're... To say that baseball is off base as would be off base. I'm just saying that for them to be second, I think that there's some uh, buffoonery going on with Why? this Why? We just had we just broke down that your demographic seems to like basketball more. Mine seems to like baseball. Are you telling me there's less people that are my age than your age? There's about to, probably more in my age group. I'm just saying I think that that number is a little exorbitant. What was it fifty five percent? Fifty five percent identify as. Major League Baseball fans, basketball 46. So it wasn't like one was 30%, the other is 50. I think that number for basketball is too low. I know a lot of people just don't like basketball. 
like the older demographic people, some of those people don't like basketball. Sure, but you know who also likes basketball? A lot of younger kids like basketball, and they don't like baseball as much. And I don't think that was – this was U.S. adults, not U.S. high school kids. (laughs) I understand that. So you're looking at it from that perspective, which I would agree. 18 years old, don't they? I would agree that younger kids like basketball – more than they like baseball. Did they did they survey enough twenty and thirty year olds? I would have to really break down who they surveyed and everything, but it says one in three U.S. adults. Let's see. I don't know what the age brackets were. Mm. You know, it's like political polls. As people are saying, "Well, so and so is winning a political race." Oh, well, here how- we go. Here are the ages. Give it to me. Oh, this is for. Well, the biggest age bracket is 45 to 64. Okay, well, if I would have known that, I would have said baseball immediately. It's my second. 18 to 34 was next. 34% to 30, by the way. So the young people and the old people were surveyed almost the same. 19% were 65 or older. And 35 to 44, there was 16% of the uh, population of this vote. And to me, that's enough of a margin for it to be 55 to 46, when it probably should be 52 to 50. Uh, The World Series, according to this text message, had an average of 12 million viewers. The NBA Finals had 10 million. I think he's accurate on that. I'm not to look that up. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know baseball is a dying sport, but the ratings are pretty much similar to and... and and equal to, if not better, than the NBA. That's all I'm saying. And I like, right now, I probably am more into the NBA than I am in baseball. I mean, I'm watching NBA playoff games almost all the time. I'm rarely watching baseball regular season games at this stage of the season. So take that for what it's worth. But I don't discount that baseball is there. All right, speaking of baseball, we'll do more baseball uh, coming up on Thursday's show when Frank is back. We'll talk to Bob Wankel, the Phillies tonight. But before we get there, we got football at four on the other side and this right now. Give me caller number 7609-573-3776. We know you all like football, and we want to send you to an Eagles road game this season. Caller 7609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number 7. You are eligible to win a trip for two to the Eagles road game of your choice. It includes airfare, hotel, a pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win on Thursday, April 28th at Slack Tide Brewing Company. And the trip is courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Do Philly Sports Road Trips with the pros. Plan your next trip right now at phillysportstrips.com and Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with 97.3 ESPN.com's Andrew DeCecco. My first allegiance is what will be best for the Philadelphia Eagles and our fans for the next three, four, five years. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. 
It's football at four. And football at four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by PropSwap, America's sports betting marketplace. Sell your sports bets, take your profit. Find out how. Go to PropSwap.com. Download the PropSwap app today. Congratulations to Nicholas in Dover, Delaware. He is our latest qualifier. He has a chance to win an Eagles road trip for two to the Eagles road game of his choice. Airfare, hotel, the pregame tailgate party. Two tickets to the Eagles road game of his choice if he is our lucky winner next Thursday at Slack Tide Brewing Company, courtesy of Philly Sports Trips and Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop. We will have another chance for you to qualify coming up this hour at 4.55 here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Football at 4. That means we're nine days away from the NFL draft. Plenty of draft conversation to have with Andrew DeCecco from InsideTheBirds.com. And uh, he joins me right now here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Welcome back, Andrew. What's good, man? Hey, Mike. What's going on? How are you? All right. uh, I'm doing good. Before we get into some nuts and bolts here, do you have any interest or did you watch any of the USFL this weekend? Uh, I did not. And from what I've gathered, it's sort of uh, been a mixed bag as far as the, the product quality and just the overall play. So um, have you seen it? Did you get a chance to check it out? I watched a little bit. I mean, I'm not one of those people that is like, I mean, football's on. I turned it on between like games of the NBA playoffs when there was like some slow moments here or there. I wouldn't say the gameplay is great, but like I said, there's football on my TV. I just p- kind of put it up there as background noise for, on the weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I know Rashard Davis is, is in the league. He's a former Eagle. He was he had a Super Bowl ring. He was a member of the practice squad and I'm a big football junkie. I just spent some time with family this weekend, so it wasn't necessarily at the forefront of my mind to mm-hmm. check it out. But I, I, I'll give it. A, I'm going to definitely give it a watch. Yeah, I mean, look, the ratings were pretty good. Uh, the first day of the USFL, I mean, they did uh, three million viewers on that first game and 2.1 million on the game on NBC. Uh, so they had a pretty good weekend uh, for the first weekend. Now, that typically will drop a little bit in, in two. But if you're getting three million people watching these games, like the AAF was getting about one and you know, 1.5. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that spring football or especially this USFL product has staying power. Uh, but people, it shows they love their football, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not really surprised by the ratings thus far. We'll see if it can continue on through and if they're able to have – you know, some sustained success. But, I mean, I'm not surprised because everybody loves their football yeah. and any chance you get a, you can get it, you know, people are going to definitely absorb it. Yeah, Clayton Thorson, by the way, was the uh, oh. the was the Houston Gamblers quarterback in the game I was watching. Uh, Luis Perez was one of the quarter. There's three former Eagle quarterbacks. Uh, Kyle Laletta is the other one uh, that are playing in the league right now. But Clayton Thorson was the one that I got stuck watching the other day. So that kind of tells you the level of quarterback I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, outside of Christian Hackenberg or Matt McGloin, you pretty much would have the, the gamut of all these uh, former Eagles uh, uh, Eagles quarterbacks. 
Aren't you right about that? All right, let's uh, take a look at some of the things that we're watching. Hey, I've heard a lot of conversation leading into the draft about Charlotte at number six. I want to kind of get your thoughts there. You know, do they think six is too high to take a quarterback? And I ask that because obviously we've heard, I, I've, you know, there's little whispers about the Eagles have two picks. Would it behoove them to call Carolina? In other words, do you think it would be worth in this year's draft to move up to number six for somebody? If you're if you're looking for a quarterback, you mean? No, if you're Howie Roseman, because Carolina apparently is not thrilled about drafting a quarterback in the sixth spot. They think they can move right. down and take a quarterback. Right. So if you're Philadelphia, would you call them? Is there a player you would want at number six, not a quarterback? Sauce Gardner, without hesitation. I think that he's a difference-making player that, you can, that you're going to have to get within the top ten, likely. And I think you can plug him right in, and he's going to be an all-pro uh, all and, and complement what they already have in Darius Slay. The Eagles really don't have anybody outside of Darius Slay, so I think that you, you're getting a sure thing with Sauce Gardner. So he probably would be the only player that I would definitely swing the bat on if I'm the Eagles. So if uh, he's there, number six, Carolina's on the board, you would pick up the phone and make that call and say, hey, what do we need to give you to move into that spot? Yes. Yeah, I definitely would because like I like I said, even if the even if Sauce Gardner's within striking distance of the Eagles and you know, he getting past we're talking about eight, nine, I think the Eagles need to be aggressive and trade up and get him because he's a difference maker and a plug and play guy. So you wanna he, he's as close as you're gonna get in this draft, Mike, to the short to a sure thing. He doesn't really have many blemishes to his game and I think that when you look at what the Eagles really have at corner, it's it's kinda scary when you look at their depth chart and, and you know, right now Zach McFee and if the season were to start today, would be their starter opposite Darius Slay, and that obviously can't happen if they expect to be competitive. Okay, now if Kyle Hamilton starts to fall, let's say he's hanging around the 10 spot, do you, first off, do you think he gets to 10? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Uh, I think there's a chance that that's, he goes right around that 10-11 area, and do I think the Eagles should pursue it? Only if Sauce Gardner is not, you know, if he's out of the equation, if he's already off the board, I think that he's sort of a unicorn, Kyle Hamilton, as far as what you're able to do with him and move him around. And he's not strictly a safety. You can move him, uh, you can sort of treat him like you would, like Malcolm Jenkins was, but he's a much more athletic and he has the size and, and the range. And he's got, he's also a lot younger than Malcolm was when he got here. So, I mean, he, and the Eagles need to rectify that position and, and stop getting these free agent band-aids. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthews, a name that's been kicked around, of course. But I think if Kyle Hamilton's there, he'd be another guy that would be worth trading up for. All right. Uh, those are two interesting names there. Uh, when we start to look at the wide receiver stuff, now you and I have thrown a couple of receivers, but I feel like every single mock draft, take them for what they're worth, I get that, but seemingly has a wide receiver falling into that range. Do you think that, that there will be a choice of wide receivers? In other words, do you think that these receivers aren't going to start going off the board until we get around 10, 15, somewhere in that range? Yes, and the reason why I say that, Mike, is that there, and I think you and I spoke about this last time, is that there is no Jamar Chase in this class. There's no bona fide top flight guy that's going to have this, be this perennial all-pro at least not one that jumps off the paper. I think Jamison Williams is going to have the best career out of all the receivers, followed probably by Garrett Wilson. But that said, that's also far from a sure thing, unlike last year and the year before. So 
I think you're going to see a lot of them sort of go anywhere from like 10, 11, 12, 15. In that 10 to 15 range, you're going to see the Garrett Wilsons, the Chris Olaves, um, the Drake London might go around 15, 16. Uh, somewhere around there, 17. So, I mean, I think there, there's a lot of guys that you, that are that are in that similar tier, and it's all about it's going to come down to preference ultimately. Okay, so we had discussed about that last week. I want to get your take on because I, I'm kind of moving on from wanting to take a wide receiver in the first round because I think in some of our conversations, you know, hey, you could get one maybe in round two and round three. I want to ask you where you think these guys might go. Um, I know we kind of we may have hit on Pickens last week, but is he a guy that's available mm-hmm. at fifty one? It's going to be close. I, I think he goes uh, probably anywhere from like forty two to fifty forty to fifty one range. I don't think he gets past the Eagles if he's there at fifty one. But uh, I, I think early day two is when you're going to see him generate some interest and become a realistic possibility for a lot of teams. The talent's too too great to pass up. There's obviously just the question mark there with, with the knee. If it wasn't for that, he's a first-round pick. 6'3", 200 pounds, didn't play a lot, was injured at Georgia. Uh, he made a big catch in that game against Alabama in the, in the SEC game. He had a big catch in that championship game. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, you're going to say, well, this guy didn't do much. But as, as Andrew just mentioned, uh, he was hurt. 36 catches, 513 yards, six touchdowns his sophomore year in 2020. Um, let's go to John Mechie over at Alabama. Torres ACL, 96 catches, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, I, I would imagine at 51, he's there, right? What about around yeah, 83? Yeah, yeah. I even think, I was just going to say, I think even around 83, he could be there. If he falls within that weird range where in the, you know, in the 70s, well, the Eagles are also armed, let's not forget, with that pick number 101 that they acquired from the Saints that they could also use if they want to sort of move around a little bit. And uh, I think I do think realistically that Messi should be there around 83. Again, another guy that's coming off an injury, but he's been very productive, big play guy, works all three levels of the field, will be an interesting fit, and you already know that he's going to be pro-ready pro and well-versed in all different route concepts and things like that. So you don't really have to worry about a, getting a raw player that you really have to uh, sort of mold into an NFL receiver. I think you know what you're getting with a guy like John Messi. So that would be a, a – he could be in play at 83. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, another guy from South Alabama, could also fall within that range. Uh, six foot 195 uh, for um, Mechie there. You mentioned Tolbert. Uh, I was going to get to him. He's actually on my list here. I want to ask you, though, this guy's interesting, man. I had somebody ask me about him the other day, and I said, you know what? You're the first guy who's brought up Christian Watson to me, and I'm surprised that Eagles fans – haven't caught on to him. Now, for two reasons. One, he went to North Dakota State, very famous for Carson Wentz, Trey Lance. In fact, Trey Lance and him play together. Two, he's 6'4", 208 pounds, and runs a 4'3", I've heard people say he could be the DK Metcalf of this draft. Why aren't we hearing as much about <laughs> Watson? Well, I think it simply has to do with the school, right? I mean, North Dakota State is not, uh, it hasn't been known as a, as a factory that churns out wide receivers. But that's, not, again, and, and when you look at a guy like Christian Watson, you wonder, he has the, the size and the speed and everything like that. But 
what is he missing? And for me, Mike, he's still a mark. He's a very unrefined route runner. He's shown marked improvements in that area, but you wonder how he's going to be able to transition at the pro level. Is he going to be able to run the full gamut of routes? How how quickly will he will he be able to acclimate himself to the NFL level and the NFL speed and and, and things like that? I mean, even uh, I think I spoke to Zion McCollum, interestingly enough, uh, on draft dreams, and he said that Christian Watson was his toughest cover, but he also said that he didn't think that Christian Watson was able to really show what he was able to do because of their offense. So I think that he was sort of indicating that there's a lot more about, he had a lot more to offer, a lot higher ceiling than what he was really showing, which is awfully enticing when you look at what he's already able to, to do and that, and that size and speed. So it's a little bit of some question marks there. If you were to draft him, you know, I don't know that he's going to be a plug and play guy, which the Eagles need right away because they need a lot of help at wide receiver outside of Devonte Smith. But I think that he's going to be a, productive player i just don't know how how early on in his career that's going to happen yeah uh now what range of the draft do you have christian watson going i i think this is an interesting i've seen mock drafts with him in the first round i've seen him in the 70s so where where do you have him i have him as a mid to late second round pick Mid to late second round all right that's interesting because uh north dakota state you mentioned the school small um, I like the story. Now, who did you talk to about him? Zion McCollum. Oh, the guarded. He said, you know, the, the how, I asked him what his toughest cover was. Yeah, the corner. And, and, and Zion McCollum and himself he is a guy that's climbing up draft boards as well. But I thought that that was an interesting comment that he made about Christian Watson. Yes, uh, very good inside, uh, insight by you, Andrew DeCecco here. Football at four from InsideTheBirds.com. Uh, Dotson Penn State would be a next guy on my list. 183 catches, mm-hmm. 2,700 yards, 25 touchdowns. Those numbers say very productive guy. Uh, your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's actually a player that I got a chance to see up close and personal at uh, Penn State's Pro Day late March. And, I mean, I got to tell you, he stole the show, Mike. He doesn't have the, the the requisite size that you want and what the Eagles really need right now. They're looking for a big body guy. But I'll tell you what, his ball tracking really stuck out right away. He caught everything. He was a very technically sound route runner. He just looked very fluid. And to see that in person and, and see the confidence that he played with and the authority and, 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 techni- you know, and technicality that he ran his routes with a purpose and his ability to track balls that on some of these throws, frankly, at Pro Day, they weren't necessarily on the mark. He was able to reel those in and uh, just concentration and everything. I think he's a guy that when you talk about being polished and pro-ready, you're talking about a guy like Jahan Dotson. Now, how does he fit with the Eagles? Well, I mean, I think he can be an outside guy, but I think more often than not, you're going to see him work in the slot, and the Eagles don't necessarily need a player like that. But again, you need you want to get a good player who's going to be able to contribute, and and you're not going to you're not going to have to roll the dice with him. I think Dotson's going to be a guy that can you know you can plug right in, and he's going to help out day one. All right, uh, I like uh, you mentioned that you stole the show at Penn State's pro day there uh, because Brisker's another guy that we'll talk about later on in this week when you're back because looking at uh, second and third round safeties. I don't know that he'd be in the third round, but Brisker, uh, I would have a lot of interest if he was there. There's, as I'm uh, doing more research on this, there's a couple safeties that I'm willing to wait until the second round for. Uh, does that sound like you know, there's going to be some picks at 51 at that position? I don't want to get too deep into that because we'll talk a little bit later, but I like 51 at the safety spot. 
Yeah, 51's a, a good spot to be in when you're looking at safeties. I mean, you're going to look at a guy possibly like like Brisker, and you're going to have uh, Jalen Petrie perhaps. perhaps. I don't know that Lewis Seen will be there. Um, there's also Kirby Joseph. That, that's probably going to be a little early for him. But I, I think we, I think Brisker and Petrie in particular, that could be a sweet spot for those type of guys. All right, you mentioned Jalen Tolbert. He was on my list. Most people would know him, South Alabama. But got a guy 6'3", almost 200 pounds, and I would imagine his size uh, at that position, uh, 82 catches, 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns, very high-end speed, the ball skills, man. This guy, if he went to a bigger school, probably getting more talk. Exactly, man. And you know what? He proved he checked off all the boxes at the Senior Bowl. He proved that he can compete with these Power 5 guys, and I think that you would think that with his size and, and his ball skills and things like things like that that are very enticing that he would be this physically imposing contested catch specialist type of guy. That's not necessarily his game, although I think that he could add some weight and strength to hit to, to you know play strength and develop that area of his game. But I think he's a guy that can help out between the hashes and definitely give the Eagles another option outside of Dallas Goddard to help in the red zone and be a quarterback friendly option. And I really like what he's able to do. Just you know, just the ball skills and ball tracking. He's been a guy that I've followed for at least two or three years at South Alabama, and I've always been enamored with his ability to steadily progress each season. And I think he's another guy that you look at and you see that he didn't. He's he's always scratching the surface. I think you get him into an NFL system and an NFL route tree, and uh, and I think he's always going to get better, which is kind of scary to think about. I think he's going to be a really productive player. Okay, those are five guys that I kind of am intrigued by. Is there another receiver? That's maybe second, third round that I didn't list there. That Eagles fans should have their eyes on. Well, for the, for like maybe third round, I would say Alec Pierce. Uh, he he might Khalil Shakir is Danny Gray, somebody that's going to kind of climb boards here. But uh, I think you you hit the main ones. I, I would I would say target Jalen Tolbert in that area. Maybe Mechie would be the guys that if you're going to look at in that second or third round. Um, but if you look later on in the draft, I would look at a guy like uh, like a Khalil Shakir or maybe even a Reggie Roberson from SMU or Danny Gray from SMU. Um, so those are those are just some of the guys, and then there's some really deep sleepers that you look at in, you know, in, in, in the seventh, the sixth, seventh round. I mean, it's a pretty deep draft for receivers, Mike. It's just a matter of how, your needs, uh, the what type of body type, and uh, and how urgent do you need these guys to play? Because the Eagles aren't going to be able to afford to wait that long to add to the position. They're unfortunately going to ha- they position themselves to have to address it, you know, in the first second round. All right. Uh, well, that was quick. 20 minutes in the books. We just uh, ripped through a bunch of guys. We'll do it again later on this week. I can't, uh, I can't wait for this draft because I think with five picks in the top 101, you're looking at a very possibly franchise-altering type of night, right? You get five picks in the top 101. And I think what did Sal Powell tell us earlier today? The Eagles have three uh, – where are my notes of what he said earlier today? But three, I think he said they have, what, oh, man, where did I write that down? Something about the next three years in the top three rounds. I think they have 13 picks in the top three rounds over the next three years. That's the most in football next to Houston. There it is. 13 in the first three over the next three years. Uh, they are set up to really change the, you know, change the franchise trajectory pretty quickly. 
Yeah, they're going to certainly have the ammo, Mike, but now they need to land these picks and get them right because that could also trend and have them trending in the wrong direction if they whiff. So it all, it all comes down to uh, their scouting department and, and how diligent they are and, and you know, hitting on a lot of these guys in order to make, you know, in order to, you know, start to get the franchise going in the right direction. Sure do. Um, and it, it seems, Andrew, that over the last two years or so, they have started to hit on some of these guys. The last couple drafts, we are starting to see some fruit from the labor there, guys who are helping out. So hopefully they can keep that trend going. You can't have the Jalen Ragers and the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, those standout misses. you got to fix those misses. And with five picks in the top 101, 10 overall this year, the NFL draft nine days away. Andrew DeCicco. Football at four from InsideTheBirds.com. Andrew, thanks, bud. You got it, man. Talk soon. All right. He'll be back on Thursday as we will take a look at guys in that second-round area, third-round area. They do have five picks in the first three rounds. So we got to dig a little deeper. Throw some names your way to keep an eye on draft night. Guys that Andrew likes, guys that I like. I like – we mentioned five receivers. Tolbert's a guy I, – I mean, he brought him up before I did – but he was my fifth guy on my list. If you watch them play Coastal Carolina, you would remember the name Tolbert. It's probably the best game they played all year. He went to South Alabama, so nobody really saw him. They played a game against Coastal Carolina. He had 10 catches for 191 yards in that game. Just a big, dominant 6'3", 195 And as Andrew said, if he's not playing at South Alabama and he's playing at Alabama, yeah, he's not going to be there in the third round. But he went to South Alabama, and that's why there's questions. But Andrew saw him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl. And that's why we have Andrew DeCecco right here on Football at Four here on the Sports Bash. Headlines on the way, and then Michael Kasky, Blomain, don't go away. This is the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. 30 minutes until that sounder goes off to qualify for an Eagles road trip. Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. in this big blue world with my head up in outer space. I know I'll be A-O-A-O-K. 431, Mike Gill, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I've uh, got Michael Kasky, Blomain, joining us in uh, about 14 minutes. Taking a look back last night's game. Sixers beat the Raptors. Shorthanded Raptors, but right now the Sixers are hitting on all cylinders, which uh, could not be really uh, predicted that you're going to... I can't go into a series, Josh, and say the Sixers are going to hit 50% of threes in one game. 47 in the next game, but I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Hey, sometimes the ball gets rolling and sometimes it really gets rolling. Well, it's not rolling. It's going right through the hoop, right down. You know what I mean. Bang! See, now you're being little Josh over there. All right, what do you got? Come on, hit me with something. Well, since everybody loves baseball, and I apparently hate baseball, I'm going to cater to the baseball fans like you out there with this first story. 
It's looking like, according to Jeff Pass of ESPN, the pitch clock will be coming to the MLB League in 2023. Over the first 132 minor league games that have included a 14-second pitch clock with the bases empty and an 18-second pitch clock with the base runners on, that include penalties for pitchers and hitters that run afoul of the clock, game times are averaging 20 less minutes than previous years. Is 20 less minutes really worth uh, altering your game? Have you seen what's going on at the college level? Guys are getting called out. Oh, no balls, two strikes, runners on base. The umpire called the guy out the other day in the LSU game because he didn't get in the box in time. Yeah, he took too long. It's ridiculous. That's what we're going to, man. For 20 minutes. If you told me it was going to cut an hour off, fine. 20 minutes. Like, here's what my thing is, okay? Find better pitchers. You know what's taking the game too long? Seriously. Every game's got four and five pitching changes. Why? Because the pitchers stink. No, they don't stink. They're not allowed to throw any pitches. You know what happens? You get to 80 pitches, you got to come out of the game, you got to make a pitching change. And then the next guy comes in, he can only throw for an inning, and you got to make another pitching change. The pitcher can't get through five innings, so you got to make five freaking pitching changes. If it went from five pitching changes in the game to two or three pitching changes in the game, you know what that saves? 20 minutes! It freaking saves 20 minutes of time! All the pitching changes is 20 minutes! 20 minutes here. It's every time you get a pitching change at 5, 10 minutes. The guy's got to come in from the outfield. He's got to throw the warm-up pitches because, God forbid, he just warmed up in the bullpen for 15 minutes. He's got to throw another five. That's every time there's a pitching change, that's five minutes minimum. Am I off on that? I'm, I'm going to trust your judgment there because you probably know the timing better than I do. By the time the guy, okay, you call time. You scratch your nutsack and walk out to the mound. You pull the pitcher. That guy takes his five minutes to walk off the mound. This is the real reason why you like Keith Bell. All right? So now, by the time the manager has walked, called time and walked out to the mound, slapped the guy in the rear, he walked off the mound. That's two minutes. Now the guy's left the bullpen, and he's jogging his way in. There's another minute. Now you got three minutes. Now he's got to throw his warm-up pitches. There's another two minutes. Now you've taken five minutes to make a pitching change. Guess what? You make five pitching changes in one game, add it up. If you were playing real baseball where the pitcher, holy mackerel, can throw 120 pitches, you don't need to make five pitching changes. A guy throws into the sixth and seventh inning, you don't have to make five pitching changes. There's where you're saving 20 minutes. How about letting the pitchers pitch? According to ESPN Stats and Info, only 15% of games in the minor league so far have exceeded three hours compared to 52% of them last year. Yeah, because you got a stupid pitch clock. How about letting the pitcher pitch? That would be my fix. Let a guy pitch. Well, that might get you more runs on the board, that's for sure. (laughs) I mean, God's sakes. Let a pitcher pitch, for God's sakes. Enough with this. 80 pitches. I'm glad I made that my first story. That was that was a great job by you. I didn't expect to get that reaction. That was great. Uh, more... Send that to Greeny for the rant se- uh, segment. <laughs> uh, San Diego Padres have become the first MLB team to get ads on their uniforms. Oh, God. 
They're going to have the Motorola logo worn on the right sleeve of their jersey. MLB now is allowing teams to have ads on their uniforms as part of the uh, larger pool now yeah. when it comes to the player I mean, revenue with the league. I, it's whatever. I don't care so much about it, but here's my thing. You're telling me the money that you're bringing in on the to alter your uniform is worth it. You can't find something else. You can't come up with another idea. That's like the frustration with salespeople is, you know, it's like you give people 15 ideas that, that they don't even try to sell. Hey, you want to sell the uniform? No, I don't want the uniform. Well, that's what we sold. Well, I don't want the uniform patch. Sell something different. I gave you 15 ideas. Sell that. Don't sell the stupid patch on the uniform. What do they make for that? Uh, doesn't have the actual numbers in the story, but historically, according to ESPN's article, uh, teams in other leagues typically make several million dollars minimum off of Yeah, I, I would figure they make three to five million on that. You're telling me an organization that's worth a billion dollars, three million dollars that they get for putting a patch on their uniform is really worth it, altering the uniform? Guess to them it is. Come on. Put an ad somewhere else. Find another billboard section in your outfield. Can I give you some football news? Please. Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo. Yes, he is the current offense coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Good for him. He said to the media on Tuesday that Sam Donald is the team's starting quarterback. Well, that's no story. I mean, who else is... Who they, oh, they have Cam Newton. Okay. Cam Newton's not on the team right now. It's uh, Darnold and P.J. Walker, the only quarterbacks under contract for the 2022 season. But they also hold the sixth overall pick. There's conjecture that the Panthers want to get Malik Willis, mm-hmm. but they want to trade down yeah. to get Malik Willis. Yeah, we just talked about with Andrew. In other words, they don't want to draft him at six. They'd rather get out of that spot and get more assets. Why? Because they traded a second and a third to get Darnold. So they need to recoup those picks. Right? Yes. Isn't that what they traded to get Darnold? That's correct. So they don't have a pick until the fourth round. Yes. So if I'm them, that would be a smart move. Don't take Malik Willis at six because nobody else wants him at six. Trade back. Try to get those picks back. I mean, being a GM isn't all that hard. You have to have half a brain. Most of these people don't. Well, I'm glad you said half a brain because that gets back to McAdoo. After McAdoo told the media that he was going to be a starting quarterback, he backtracked his announcement by saying the decision was Matt Rules. In the building, Sam is our guy. McAdoo goes on to say, one of the things I've been working on is being a better talker to you people, the media. So announcing a starting quarterback here, I just put up my foot, foot in my mouth, McAdoo said. Well, of course, it's the head coach's decision. Look, he's not wrong. Darnold's their starting quarterback right now. If they draft somebody, that will change. It's like anything. If you told me the Raptors were missing two players at the start of their series, my breakdown and analysis of that series would be different. If you put another quarterback on the Panthers roster who's better than Darnold, I may then reevaluate who my starter is. But at this moment, Darnold's the best, sadly. I just love McAdoo saying I put my foot in my mouth. I think that's hilarious. 
You don't find that funny? We have a different type of humor, but sure. I think you're just in a bad mood after you like two baseball stories. <laughs> I've been tweeting about this the other day about time. The time on these games. Well, it had to do with the guy getting called out for not getting in the batter's box. Yeah, the LSU game. Yeah. That just burned, burned my... That grinded your gears, as Peter Griffin It's the say. second time that's happened where the umpire has done that in a key moment. And I said, if I was Arkansas in that moment, if I was the manager of Arkansas, I would have came out of the dugout and said, we do not want that out. Put that guy in the batter's box, please. Really quick, your thoughts on Melissa Stark replacing Michelle Tafoy as the sidelines on Sunday Night Football. It'll be Tariko, Collingsworth, and Stark. Yeah, not NBC. bad. I like Melissa Stark. Where's she been? She vanished. She's been doing work on NFL Network. Wasn't she, she on the NBA? Uh, well, wow. Years ago. I'm talking yeah. about like in the 90s. Yeah. Well, she was on originally on the Monday Night Football on ABC in the early 2000s. But since then, she's worked exclusively for the NFL Network. I haven't seen Melissa Stark since 2000, I feel like. <laughs> Seriously. I don't oh. watch NFL Network all that much. I do. You're a big Good Morning Football guy. Peter Schrager was on uh, the Press Box podcast. He's, he's a good guest. The Press Box podcast. Yes. It's the Ringer's uh, sports media. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's like the Ringer's version of like Richard Deitch and Jimmy Trainer. Gotcha, gotcha. And, you know, Sports Media Watch has a podcast as well. Yes. My I buddy do know that. TJ uh, Revis is the host of that one. John Lewis is the Sports Media Watch. He runs that website, Paulson. This yep. is AKA. He does all the ratings. Yeah, I know. But by the way, on Sports Media Watch, Sunday Night Baseball first game averaged 2.4 million viewers. The largest audience for Sunday Night Baseball since 2018. Now, is that including the A-Rod cast or just the regular broadcast? Yes, the combined. Okay. Uh, the play-in game was 2.7 on TNT. So the Nets-Cavs game on Tuesday night was 2.6. The play-in games are about Sunday Night Baseball. There you go. All right, Michael Caskey, Blow Main talks a little Sixers, Raptors next. Now, back to more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, Michael Caskey, Blow Main, CBS Sports covers the NBA, Sixers, Raptors. He's been in the house for both game one and two. And we'll see what he thinks about what adjustments Toronto has up their sleeve for game number three, Michael. Do they have one at this point? I mean, look, if you go into the series beforehand and say, hey, this is going to be a tough, grinded-out series, then they lose Barnes and they lose Trent, it's hard to make adjustments without those two guys. So do they have something up their sleeve that they can even go to in game number three? I don't think so, Mike. I think at this point it's become pretty evident that they're just overmatched both, you know, obviously with Joel in the inside and even on the perimeter with a guy like Tyrese Maxey. They just don't have, you know, anywhere to turn at, at this point. Um, you know, they're not an especially deep team to begin with. And Scotty Barnes, who's obviously, you know, without him, one of their most important players, they just don't have the depth and they, you know, they didn't have the size on paper to stop Embiid heading into the series. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, Nick Nurse would be able to come up with some sort of, you know, great scheme to, to shut him down and to frustrate him. But ultimately, you know, you can only do so much with the roster that you have and the Raptors are, you know, a less talented team than, than the Sixers clearly. And they just don't have the size in the inside to, to stop Joel. So 
I mean, if you're Nick Nurse, do you try to do something different or do you say, listen, you hit 50% from three in game one, you hit 47% from three in game two. If you could do that again, God bless you. I'm just going to let you keep taking shots, but I'm not going to let Harden now they and bead kind of he didn't beat him in game one, but he got to him in game two. But really, the ancillary guys keep making they keep making shots. Yeah, and a lot of that is is directly because of Embiid and the attention that he's drawn. You know, every that coming into this series, that was clearly a you know the a sticking point for Toronto was to show Embiid a lot of bodies. Even if he's not getting doubled, a lot of the guys from you know their perimeter defenders are sinking into the paint, leaving those corner threes open that we saw Danny hitting last night. We saw Tobias hit a couple of them. They're just open opportunities because you know the help defenders have one eye on Joel and they're sagging toward him in the paint even if he's not directly dominating them he's you know just creating so much space uh for the team and to me it just seems like you know Nick Nurse's approach up to this point has just been to complain about you know calls and hope that you know something changes I, you know watching these first two games it's been crazy to me in the arena watching just how much time he really has spent complaining like during the games like it seems that half the time he's not even watching the court or what's happening he's reacting to the previous play and trying to you know get in the ear of the officials uh you know i think he's probably frustrated but ultimately there's you know maybe they'll play more zone try to you know pack it in even more but there's to me there's you know really limited options that they have in terms of trying to to find some adjustments here right i I mean uh, so far the surprise has has to be maxi obviously but tobias harris i think has really had a you know standout series so far yeah, he's been great. He's been great on both ends of the floor, Mike. I thought last night he did a, a really solid job guarding Pascal Siakam. Obviously, Siakam got you know a couple baskets on him as he's going to do, but I thought Tobias was physical with him. He got up into his chest a lot. He forced him to take some difficult you know fadeaways and stepbacks. And as soon as there was other guys on him on Pascal, you saw he he burned by Niang a couple times when Maxi was switched onto him. He scored easily with his size. And then I thought you know overall Tobias did a good job. And offensively, he's been you know as we saw at the tail end of the regular season there he has the confidence and he's just been you know not overthinking things moving quickly knocking down open shots so that's you know been a huge development for the Sixers and if he can continue to keep that up their ceiling as a team is you know exponentially higher as a third or sometimes even a fourth option given you the production that he has so far in this series so obviously 50 percent 47 percent I would imagine they go down on the road if that happens do the Raptors have a shot to take these two, especially no Thibel? And we can get into how much he, because it seems that Doc Rivers has prepared for this team not to have him. I think he's only played like, what, 25 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I think Doc has just done a great job with that, even dating back to the end of the regular season there when it was pretty evident and became clear that the Sixers were going to play Toronto in that first round, that he you know, made the switch and put Danny in that starting lineup. And like you said, Matisse only played 10 minutes last night. He played 19 minutes in the first game. And he's you know been productive. I think he had three blocks last night. But to me, he's you know really hasn't been a big factor in, in this series so far. And I think that, that you know not having to adjust the starting lineup now, probably Cork Miles will, will see some minutes or you know, maybe Isaiah Joe that uh, Matisse has been getting. But otherwise, you keep the continuity and the momentum that the Sixers have had. So I think that's a, you know, a, a good foresight on Doc's part to have made that move already. Um, one big thing you take a look at here is James Harden. Not a lot of points, 14, six assists. The numbers didn't jump off the page, Michael. But what 
has he done that has made him a key component to this series while not having – now, in game one, he had 14 assists. That's a big number, obviously. But he hasn't been a huge offensive scorer. So what has he done to be a factor in this series? His passing to me, Mike, it's just been, you know, really, really great. Like you said, he had the, the 14 assists in game one. He had six last night, so that's 20 over the first two games. And there was, you know, a handful that I counted myself last night where he, you know, basically should have gotten an assist if the shot was converted, where he found guys for wide open shots that they just missed that they would take, you know, on any given possession. And I think he's, you know, I haven't really had any issues with the way he's been playing. I think he's been patient. Obviously, he's been putting his playmaking ahead of his scoring and setting the table for everybody. You see him give the ball to Maxi and transition a lot to let him, you know, just burn the defenders down the floor. He's getting into the paint, beating, you know, the, his primary defender off the dribble. And then once he gets into the paint, instead of looking to score every time, he's spraying it out to the perimeter. And you're seeing guys like Danny, Tobias, Tyrese, all these guys getting three-point opportunities. So, you know, for this series specifically, like specifically, I think the way he's been playing will be fine. You know, there's definitely an argument to be made moving forward if the Sixers are able to advance against a team like the Heat or Milwaukee or, you know, Boston, Brooklyn, one of the better teams in the East. They might need him to, you know, score more and give them more. But so far, I think he's just done a really good job of making sure that, you know, the entire offense is humming and everyone's getting opportunities and staying involved. Uh, everybody's favorite whipping boy, Doc Rivers. Um, what factor has he had in this series? Yeah, Mike, I have nothing but positive things to say about Doc uh, so far in this series. He, you know, the main thing I think that everyone will point to first and obvious is the the backup center minutes have gone to Paul Reed, and I think Paul's been, you know, really impressive. He hasn't had to play a ton of minutes, but the Sixers have been plus. I think they were a plus 12 in the five and a half minutes that he played at the start of the second yesterday. His numbers aren't huge, but he's been active. He's not getting beat defensively. He's, you know, a live body on both uh, offensive and defensive glass. Uh, he's pretty switchable defensively, so that's been a a nice adjustment. The rotations to me have been crisp. The bench has been shorter, obviously. He's had at least two of Tobias, um, Joel, Maxi, and, and James out there, and usually at least one of James and Maxi at the same time to run the offense. Uh, you know, kept the bench to eight or nine guys at all times. So to me, he's, you know, he's making good moves in terms of the rotation i think the the game plan has been good came in knowing that there was going to be a lot of you know emphasis and, and attention placed on joel and i think he's done a good job of you know getting other looks for other guys to, from tobias obviously to, to maxi in game one so you know we'll see how he counters some of the adjustments moving forward but so far he he's getting a, a really solid grade from me with his work in the series all right uh, michael Caskey blooming cbs sports i'll leave you with this what's more likely toronto nick nurse make adjustments and win game three, or the Sixers close this out in five? Yeah, I don't think the Raptors are going to win a game, Mike, personally. Just, you know, I thought Matisse's absence could end up being a, a pretty big factor in this series, but the way they played in these first two games with their starting five and things like that, I just don't think that he's going to be that missed, were, especially were you with, worried, with Scotty were, out. Michael, were you worried at all? What was the building like when it was 96-85? It was getting a, a little bit tense, you could tell. But, uh, you know, to me, it just never felt like that there was they were really in, in danger of, of blowing that lead. There was obviously a couple of boos, a little bit of attention, but I don't think it ever got to the point where there was, you know, genuine nervousness. All right. Uh, well, uh, the series shifts to Toronto Wednesday night right here on 97.3 ESPN. Michael says sweep, which would be nice. Then I don't have to worry about the Sixers and the uh, NBA, NFL draft being on the same night for game number six. MKB will be with us next Tuesday right here on Inside the Sixers. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Mike. Take it easy. Michael Kasky, Blomain, CBS Sports here on the Sports Bash.
that sounder right there means somebody out there is going to qualify for a chance to win a trip to an Eagles road game this season. Caller 7, 609-573-3776. Caller 7, where are you? 609-573-3776. If you are caller number 7 right now, you are qualified. Like Harris in Ocean City, Ryan in Middle Township, Nicholas in Dover, Delaware, Matt in Violin, Jeff in Galloway. They've been our winners yesterday and today. You have a chance to win an Eagles road trip thanks to phillysportstrips.com and Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. You must be present to win next Thursday at Slack Tie Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse. Caller number seven. Good luck. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 5 o'clock, driving you home. Sports Bash live, 97.3 ESPN. we got another qualifier. It's Bill in Northfield. Bill... We'll see you at Slack Tide Brewing Company for our Eagles Draft Party Show. It's a week from Thursday, April 28th. We'll be live at Slack Tide Brewing Company, 1072 Route 83, Cape May Courthouse. One lucky listener will be selected, and they will get to, it's the Eagles Draft Party. That listener will get to draft which road trip they would like to go. PhillySportsTrips.com and Ernest and Son. They'll be supplying the food for that day, by the way. They'll be bringing food. Just ran into Mel from Ernest and Sons on a Saturday night. I bumped into Mel and got a chance to talk to him a little bit. They're looking forward to it. He said he's going to be there. They're going to be bringing food. We're going to have the slack-tied angry uh, Ospreys, the PT. It's a Tuesday with Thompson. There he is. The PT is in the house, Peter. Michael, yes, sir. I'll be there. I'm, uh, I'll try that angry Osprey. Sure, I'll have a sip of that and maybe another sip and maybe another. After no, that. I don't know, man. It's an IPA. You're not really an IPA guy. No, no. I saw that Josh wrote an article on the website that uh, featured uh, some nice pictures. And it looks like the PT could have a little flight, you know, just a little little sample of each thing to see what I like. Now, have you dipped your toe into the IPA or are you just one of them guys that's not even willing to try? Because you're one of those guys. I've been out to dinner with you. Like, you don't even want to try food. I'd be like, yeah, just try this. And, you, and you're and you like you're like a child. You're like, nope. I mean, I think I went to, what, 12 of the first 14 beer fests or something like that over in AC. Uh, so, yeah, I've had an IPA in my lifetime before. Did I love it? Is it my go-to? I, no, I, it's... In, it's not generally what I go for, but and that's kind of why, you know, uh, that and the fact that I'm sorry, the last time I checked, beer is still carbonated, so you know I can't have a lot of them. But if I find something that I like and I like the taste of, I'll, I'll have a couple. I can have two. Couple, I all right. Have, couple I angry ospreys for the PT. Oh, well, I certainly will try one. Why don't you do a nice little milk stout there, Peter? 
Listen, you know, when you go over to Ireland and Scotland, you have to have like whiskey for Scotland and you have to have Guinness for Ireland. Right. So, I mean, it's like a meal. It's like a it's like pancakes, but in beer form. You know, I mean, there's there's people out there that swear by Guinness, but it's kind of like drinking a sandwich. I like a nice uh, Kilkenny. I can't find it anywhere around here. There was a place that had a Kilkenny and uh, they have not had it for quite some time. So if anybody out there knows where I can get a Kilkenny beer you let me know because I uh, have not had it in quite some time. There used to be a place in Margate that had okay. it. They had it on tap. Josh, can you uh, try to do a little research for me on the well, Kilkenny? What, what, what is this uh, like? The this whole what? What do you call these? Sur- like a guy I was with the other day had a sur- he asked for Surfside. I go, what is that? And it's like a can of like iced tea and vodka already mixed or something like that. It was sort of like an Arnold Palmer meets vodka. Have you have you not seen that? Um, well, there. I know that the Sea Isle Ice was doing. Um, Can that show up? Are you? Able yeah, to I see, see it. Surfside. Okay. No, I'm not familiar yeah. with that particular. But Sea Isle uh, Ice was doing something that was like a Long Island or an Arnold Palmer type. <laughs> and this is funny because I just looked at this can a little closer, and it says India Pale Ale with blueberry lemon so i mean yeah maybe maybe not the india pale ale straight up the ipa straight up but if it's got some other things in it yeah. the pt could go for that all right pt well slack tide is where we'll be and that will be Looking for the nfl draft it. party yeah it's always a fun show and the best part about it is uh that somebody wins a trip they get to pick where they want to go and uh you know the road games this year You've got the Chicago, PT, my kind of town, right? Chicago. I love Chicago. Um, I think Arizona's on the list of uh, road games this year. You always have the Giants and the Commanders and uh, Dallas. So you get to pick uh, what possibly one of those. Well, one of our winners one year went to Dallas. One winner, I remember, went to Tennessee. He went to Nashville for the game. And the trip was great because before the road games in Tennessee, Nashville, they do like a boat ride down the river there, and you get to do the boat and all that stuff. So these people who win these trips, they get set up pretty good, man. I think Nashville, from the pictures that I see and the stories that I hear, has become like a new like mini Vegas. Like it doesn't have casinos, but it certainly has a lot of activities that people, you know, obviously there's a reason they took the draft there, right? I mean, it's a place that, you know, has uh, lots of uh, I don't think they took the draft there due to what was going on in the town. Do you see where the draft is, like in Detroit, Cleveland? <laughs> well, that's true, too. That's a valid point. <laughs> Isn't the, uh, where's the draft this year? I think it's in, in Vegas. Vegas, yeah. Yeah. How about you and me in Vegas? You want to do it? I've never been to Vegas. Oh, we should do that sometime. All right. Try to set <laughs> Let's that up. Let's see. How old are you now? 45. Okay, so for your 50th, we'll go to Vegas. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Start saving your nickels now, though, because, <laughs> well, maybe I should start saving mine now, quite frankly. Yeah. Of the two of us, I think you're a little more careful with your funds than I am. So. Um, maybe. I just make smarter decisions than the PT. Yeah, like you don't gamble. Uh, I know I gamble. I just win. <laughs> right 17 parlays yeah <laughs> i told josh i said last night i hit a, I, I was a parlay again 13 out of 14 it's like oh, I, it's well, like and you know which one i didn't get huh of the parlay I, I i hit 13 out of 14 on my parlay the one thing i didn't hit was matisse Thibel needed a steal wow and yeah, the one and guy who gets get a steal like every time he gets in the game he had three blocked shots and no steals last night 
Now, if the parlay had been will Matisse Thibel run into Joel's elbow and cause pain... Joel said that it was Siakam that he ran into. Oh, is that it? That's what he said anyway. Maybe he's covered for his teammate. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean... I just loved his answer to Nick Nurse. And, you know, I watched the game. Did did you watch it on TNT or did you watch the local? I actually watched it on TNT last night because I wanted to see Gus Johnson. I wanted to because I said beforehand, I'm not a huge Gus guy on the NBA. I like him in college. I don't Mm -hmm. typically, but I wanted to see him do the NBA last night. So I thought he did. He toned himself down a lot last night. Well, it's funny because I just was talking to a friend of mine before I came on with you, and he said uh, he's in Omaha, so the only choice he had was TNT. Yeah. Well, Sunday so he was watching, Saturday. and he kept thinking, like, God, who is this guy doing the bad Gus Johnson impersonation? Like, who is this doing play-by-play? Because he wasn't as extravagant or flamboyant, if you will, or over the top, and he thought, like, who, who is this guy? And then yep. it turns out it's Gus Johnson. It was. And now Saturday I watched the local broadcast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so Saturday I went to local broadcast. Yeah, last night I went to the TNT broadcast. Yeah, I watched the uh, I watched the local broadcast last night as well, which is what my way of saying that they did not on the local broadcast show that whole interaction between Joel and Nick Nurse. That was only on the TNT broadcast. So only later on when I was. You know, I think I had Sports Center on or something, and of course they jump right to that, and you know, had the whole he said, she said of Joel telling them stop being about the calls, you know, uh, stop complaining about the calls, and then Nurse saying like, you know, uh, you're gonna have to foul me all the time, and Nurse goes, well, we might might just do that, you know, but I, I didn't even see that video. I guess is what I'm trying to say on the local NBC. Now is Wednesday night still gonna be on both? That's a good question. See, the first round of games is allowed to be on both unless it's the main national game. Is the Wednesday night Sixer game the main national game? I think it could be because I think it's an 8.30 start time. Yeah, I think it's an 8 o'clock TNT game. So that might mean that it's only only is TNT. Yeah. Now, I, I will say this, to be fair. In the past, I have never not watched the local broadcast. Right. Oh, wait. Josh is saying it's NBA TV which means that it should be also on the local broadcast. Now, in that okay. case, I will watch the local broadcast over NBA TV. Sure. Then, my, But my next question was, like, with the restrictions on Canada right now, are Kate Scott and Ala Abdelnabi going up there? No problem. I mean, like, can they, you know, I mean, it's it's tough to get in right now. I would imagine so. The only person that I've heard that's not allowed in is Thibault. <laughs> well, the PT was supposed to be up there for Flyers in uh, Toronto tonight, but we called that trip off after everything was going well, Let me wrong. tell you, this news just came out. Scotty Barnes is doubtful with the game, uh, with the with the ankle problem. Gary Trent okay. is questionable with the non-COVID illness. Now, Trent tried to go last night. He was certainly not himself. Let me ask you this, PT. Yes, Before sir. Before the season, the series started, where where did you think this series was? I thought it was going to go seven, and I thought it was going to be a dogfight, and I, I did think the Sixers would win, but I thought Toronto would give them everything they could handle and then some, and I thought it was going to be a real challenge. Okay. And, if I and told now you, I think it might go five. Well, if I told you that Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent were not factors in the first two games because of injury and illness, if I told you that and they weren't going to play all series, would you have changed your thoughts? Sure, I would have shaved a game off or maybe two. You know, it, it, to me, I, I think the Sixers are they're, they're they're winning in all facets of the game. You well, know here, what I mean? And, and this they're, is why they're I bring, this is why Toronto I bring that up. This is why I bring that up. 
because my question becomes, does Nick Nurse even have an adjustment to make? He's down two guys potentially. You know, that's 33 points a game that has been taken out of their lineup now. Barnes is one of their most versatile defensive players. Trent's one of their best three-point shooters. You take 33 points out. I'm wondering if he has an adjustment in his bag of tricks because we all thought, well, Nurse is going to get the better at Doc. That hasn't been the case. Doc's been running circles around him. Yeah, and and Doc's got deeper talent, and he's got more more weapons at his disposal. I mean, the biggest thing to me too is like in sports, you could tell like when a team feels like they're defeated. And my God, I I mean, uh, the first game I saw a tweet about. Danny Green is the worst 3 and D player in the league. Well, guess what? Danny Green was pretty damn good last night. I don't night. get Danny, the Danny Danny Green. Got up and threw I don't down get the Danny Green. I don't get the Danny Green hate, man. I, I didn't tweet it. I just saw No, I'm just it saying I hear a lot of people yeah. who I hate Green, I'm done with Green. Do I think he's great? No, but he's a role player who shoots about 40% from three-point range. Like w- w- what do you want? Like I get it. He's not like these young, athletic, 3-and-D type players, but he's a veteran player. Look, he's either going to give you 0 for 5 or he's going to hit three of them, right? I mean, he's streaky like that, and when he's streaky good, he's good. When he's not, he's not. I mean, that's, hey, that's an NBA player for you who's a role player. Like, I don't have any problem with Green. I don't think he's the same player that he was, but I don't think that he's a shot fighter. I mean, all five starters and double figures last night I thought was another factor. And then, of course, Embiid, to me, was the biggest story, obviously. He had 19 points in game one. He had 19 points in the first quarter alone last night. And I thought you could you could tell that storyline, like where obviously the game plan was don't let him have any easy shots. Rough him up every time that he gets the ball and make sure that he knows that, you know, we're going to be fouling him. And they fouled the heck out of him. And all it did, I think, was piss him off. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know. I don't know that you want to piss that guy off because, my God, he just uh, he was great last night. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, and because of that, and it took Maxi a while to get started, but once Maxi was on flow, then you know, I'm I, look. James Harden, some people were out there. Oh, he's only three for nine. Who cares? Who cares? James Harden still was James. He had six assists and fourteen points. That's fine. That I, I don't need James Harden to be. James Harden of yesteryear if other people are contributing, and they are. Yeah, it's a uh, – right now, here's the thing. They shot 50% from three in game one, and they shot 47% from three in game two. That is a question I have. Can they keep that up? I don't know. I don't know that they can do that. And if they don't, what does that mean for game three? I think it's going to make it very interesting, that's for sure. I mean, I will say this, that when Joel Embiid plays the way that he does, that's why – and when it was just Joel Embiid, there wasn't enough attention drawn away to leave three-point shooters open. But now that it's Embiid and Harden, even though it's not Harden 100% and screaming A keeps yelling about that he, it's not the James Harden, you know, blah, 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 whatever, Stephen A. Smith, say whatever you want uh, – is James Harden what he used to be? No, but he's still enough that you, he's still one of the top 75 players of all time. You have to pay attention to the guy. And because of that, that draws away. And look, 
We said this the minute the Harden trade became official and that we knew he was coming here, that the three-point line, these guys are never going to be more open. Finally, it looks like the light bulb is going on for Tobias Harris. He understands how to catch and shoot. And I thought what was interesting to me was he actually played some some defense last night, too. I, I thought Tobias Harris defensively was good last night as well. He's and, been and, good. Yeah, he, he's the, I think the Sixers team... The energy on the defensive end of the ball has been solid all the way through. They, they should be commended for that. Yeah, and so we'll see if they keep it going north of the border. And, of course, they lose Matisse. So, you know, defensively, then you have question marks about that. And, I, and you know what? And I know you always give this narrative, too, that the coach is the coach. And when it's the playoffs, like, how much difference can the coach really make? They put up a board last night, a graphic in post game that had Doc Rivers uh, joining the 100 100- uh, playoff win club mm-hmm. and when you sit there and look at that first of all phil jackson is the is the leader in the clubhouse he had 229 but phil jackson pat riley 171 greg popovich 170 doc rivers is now tied with larry brown for playoff wins with 100 and he's ahead of this guy named Auerbach. you might have heard of him he used to coach boston like that blows my mind that Doc Rivers has more playoff wins than the great Red Auerbach. Now, Red Auerbach has more rings. The playoffs didn't go as deep back then. When you're beating everybody 4-0, 4-0, 4-0, you don't accumulate as many yeah. wins. I get that. But that was uh, like when I saw that in visual form, I was like, oh, my God, Doc Rivers is ahead of Red Auerbach? What right. the heck? All right. Uh, I, got a, I got the Phillies lineup here. Josh, what do you got? If you really want to kill Kenny, you got to go to PA. Wow. Apparently, I've been through five websites here, including untappedandbeermenus.com. You can go to Hallertown or Hershey, PA. It's not worth that drive, but somebody had it in this area years ago. It's been a while. There's a place in Maryland that has this, so maybe next time you go to Baltimore, you can stop in. I have not been able to find that Kilkenny PT. Never even heard of it. All right, PT. No, it's a a county in Ireland, Kilkenny. That's right. Um (laughs) Philly's or line- South Park. Oh, my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Philly's lineup is out, and we have another change at the leadoff spot. Oh, boy, what are they doing now? All right, here we go. Segura leads off. Hoskins hits two. Harper, three. Castellanos, four. Real Muto, five. Schwarber in the six hole. Bohm is back at third. Again, second straight night for him. He's hitting seventh. DD is at short. And Matt Veerling is your center fielder all in front of Kyle Gibson. There you go. Segura. Matt Matt Veerling terrible. Isn't he terrible? I mean, Matt Veerling is just awful, you know. And and the fact that, look, no disrespect to the kid from Delaware and his whole story last night, but the fact that, you know, uh, they had one double. Dee's double late in the game was the only extra base hit they had in a hitter's ballpark. You know, that's that's a joke. I, I, I don't understand it. You know, something obviously the news came out about something's wrong with Bryce Harper's elbow and that he can't throw. So that's why he's not in the outfield, but he is hitting great. So you're saying you're not 100 percent, but you still want to hit. OK, well, they said if you listen to the report, Peter, that I did. the that the swinging of the bat doesn't irritate his elbow. The throwing of the ball it does. Mm. How about the confusion that's going on in his head right now as he watches his team off to an awful start? I mean, I, well, you're one of those people that just go live day to day. I mean, do we think that Bryce Harper is going to hit 220 for the whole season? I mean, if you're in that boat, then yeah, I'm, you have I'm, a. I'm if you think Bryce Harper is going to hit 220, last seven. if you think Bryce Harper is going to hit 220 for the entire season, then you have every right to be ticked off right now. But, I never said that. 
I well, if he's not going to hit 220, eventually he's going to get hot, which would lead to what? Hopefully some wins. Uh, aren't you concerned about Aaron Nola giving up 27 home runs since last May? Nola, That's I think there's... for most in the, in the National League. Nola would be something that I would have concern about, but that's not what you brought up. You brought that they didn't hit last night. Well, they haven't hit, and they've had, what, uh, one or three or fewer runs in like five of their last six games? Yeah, the offense is struggling, but again, I mean, Schwarber last year hit 210 in the month of April's in May, and he made the All-Star game. That shows you how hot he got. Um, So, the offensive woes, they're three games out of first place. If they're not like, they didn't start one in ten, Who's going to break the story that uh, Zach Wheeler's injured more than we know? Because on Sunday, I happened to be listening to the radio broadcast and heard them saying that he had abandoned the fastball. And I texted one Tommy Green and said, hey, they're saying on the radio broadcast that uh, Zach Wheeler abandoned the fastball. Do you think he's hurt? And Tommy Green texted back immediately and said, gosh, I hope not, but I noticed that too. All he was throwing was off-speed stuff. Yeah, well, his fastball definitely is down. We had Bob on, Bob Wankel on yesterday. He said last year he was was topping out, averaging 97-98. He's down to 95-96 so far right now. And, look, that could be because his arm's not built up because he did not not pitch at all in spring training. So how much does that factor in? But, yeah, I think all – to me, the starting pitch, I don't care about the hitters. Like, I mean, Bryce Harper's not going to hit 220. Schwarber will be fine. Castellanos, he's hitting right now. The lineup will be – well, you're going to have a month where you're like, my God, look at these guys. You can't get them out. They're, they're on – the pitching for me is the issue because I agree with you. Nola, I don't trust him at all, uh, although I thought he pitched okay last night. I he was better. He was definitely better. Yeah, I mean, pitching in, in, in Colorado to give up two runs – but still, I mean, he can't get deep enough in the game. That's a problem. Their bullpen, they haven't blown any saves because they don't have any save opportunities. So we don't know <laughs> if that problem's been fixed yet. Suarez I mean, <laughs> has only pitched once, so I don't know what Suarez we have. Wheeler's only pitched twice. I mean, and he has not looked sharp. They need no. every bit of Wheeler and 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 uh, Suarez to be what they were last year. If they're not what they were last year, I don't care how good the offense is. Well, at least tonight they might have a chance. This It's Kyle versus Kyle, Gibson versus Freeland, and Freeland's got, he's 0-2 with a 10 ERA. If they can't hit against the lefty Freeland tonight, then uh, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with him. All right. All right. I, I say jokingly, of course I'm not done. I'm wearing a damn flyer shirt. You think I give up on my Philly teams? No. Wow. By the way, uh, watching these, uh, how about this uh, Rutgers baseball team? Jordan Sweeney hit another homer today. Three home runs in his last four at-bats. Oh, I like that. And my guy Tony Santamaria is out there as well. Tony came out of ACIT. Yeah, that's right. And he actually, so the other day, I don't know if you saw any of this, but they had come from behind wins in back-to-back days. Sweeney had a base-clearing triple the one day, and then the next day he had a walk-off homer, and today he homered again. Was he one of yours? Is this all? Nope. Uh, you, Did not have no, Sweeney. You, nope. Uh, Santa Maria played for the A-Shore team, but not my year. He came out the next year. Oh, okay. He won the World Series. He was on the team that won the World Series as a 14. Oh, very nice. Yeah, he was a hell of a player. Sweeney was uh, not eligible. He he lived in a out of the district. Oh, Okay, I thought they, I didn't know there were district lines. I thought it was all fudged. <laughs> I thought you just found a way to make it happen. No, sir. In <laughs> fact, 
Sweeney, I would say. He oh, was actually. What was that kid back in the day for me? Like, it lived at the Owl Tree Motel. <laughs> I have no idea. It, it, in Summer's Point, never mind. It's a long story. But I would say Sweeney. <laughs> see, there is a rule depending on where you go to, what school you go to. Gotcha. And I believe he went to St. Joe's in Summer's Point. But that rule wasn't put into place until he was aged out. Oh, there you go. It's all about timing. That's right. So we didn't even get into the fact that uh, the Flyers uh, are terrible and now they're being I don't care that the Flyers are terrible. They've been terrible for six months. You want to bring it up by the fact that they're terrible now? No, I wanted to talk about the lawsuit a little bit. You could go to our website and read about that. Kevin Durso has the full story, PT. Good. I will retweet it. All right. Thank you. Good. It's nice to talk to you. I have your shirt here, Peter. I look forward to a getting nice it, baby. baby blue master shirt. Is it? Did you put it on a hanger or is it still in the plastic? Uh, it's right here. Let's see it. Oh, that's real nice. Real All right. I look forward to collecting that. All right. See you. Thank you. Pete Thompson, Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. When we come back, I've got the... NFL draft over-unders. We'll play that. Stick around. More Sports Bash on the way. Sports Bash is brought to you by AC Airport. Plan your next vacation now and create memories to last a lifetime. Start with nonstop flights from AC to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, and Miami. Book your low-cost flight at spirit.com. More Sports Bash on the way here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, back to more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Sports Bash live at Slack Tide Brewery starting on April 28th at 2 o'clock. It's a Thursday for the NFL Draft Party. Slack Tide Brewery, Cape May Courthouse reminds you to always drink responsibly. One lucky winner that day is going to walk away with an Eagles road trip. You'll pick the Eagles road game that you want to go to. It's all thanks to our friends at phillysportstrips.com and Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Brigantine. They'll have food at Slack Tide Brewing that day. So if you're a fan of Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop, you're going to want to stop on out and see us. Qualifiers get a chance to win. People who just want to show up can come and hang out. It's a great day. It's the Eagles draft party. Thursday, April the 28th. All right, I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. A lot of Sixers conversation today. They look impressive last night. They beat the Raptors. They're up two games and on. Game three, though, is going to be a little different. We'll get into that a little bit more on tomorrow's show. I want to get back into some draft conversation. A couple over-unders for you here, Josh, all right? These are from Bet Online website. Draft position. Okay. Yes. Ready. All right. You didn't. You didn't say anything. This is a audio format. Well, you, I thought people, you were still building up there. Well, if I was, you talking would help fill some of the time. Staring at me would not have been very conducive for our listeners out there. So I'll ask you: Are you ready? Yes. All right. Like Triple H. Are you ready? I've been waiting for this for about two hours. So. Okay, well, here we go. Uh, over under, Ahmad Gardner. Now, do you want me to give you the over number and you tell me, or do you want to guess it? 
Uh, I'll guess. How about that? All right. Ahmad Gardner. Sauce. Eight and a half. Six and a half. Okay, I had the right idea. Kind of. Top ten pick. Uh-huh. That means Eagles out. Unless, now, as Andrew DeCecco said, trade. Now, the Would pan- you trade up for Gardner? I wouldn't know if i go as high as six. That's where the Panthers are right now. I think the Panthers really desperately want. Now, the Eagles do have the extra picks maybe to part with. You know, maybe if you could tell them, look, we're only going to give you our 15th pick first round, but we'll give you an extra second and third round because they have extra second and third round picks. If that gets the deal done, I'd consider making the trade, but I would highly doubt that it would only take that to go up to six. You'd be moving from 15 to six, nine spots. Yeah, I was going to say 83 is not enough. Yeah, I don't think it's enough juice, so... Hopeful, wishful thinking, but... All right. Chris Olave. Uh, how about 12 and a half? Over under 17 and a half. Okay, so I had him a little too high. Now, I'm wondering, is Olave placed there because there's a lot of mock drafts right now that have him in that range? Don't know how Vegas comes up with the numbers they do. Just a curiosity. If question. I did, I'd probably make more money. You wouldn't be sitting here across from me? Certainly not. Uh, 17 and a half would put him in spot in position for the Eagles. It would, and I hope they don't draft. Derek Stingley Jr. I'm going to say 15 and a half. 11 and a half. Wow. Way higher than I expected. I think the problem I have with Stingley is, and I keep going back to this, maybe I'm just a broken record at this point. I just think he's a guy who has an injury history. And Analyst I, Frank. And I'm, I have a concern about the fact that since he came back from the first main injury, the Liz Franck you mentioned, he's never been the same guy. Now, is part of that because he hasn't played a lot? Is part of that because of the pandemic? I, I It's hard for me to gauge that. I mean, he was his freshman year and sophomore year, his first team All-American, first team All-SEC. Right. Then he gets the injury, the Liz Franck, and yeah. he hasn't been the same since. Well, he hasn't played since. Oh, he played a little bit last year. I think he played a little bit last year, but didn't he hurt his foot playing? I thought he hurt his foot before that. That um, freshman year he had was... His freshman year, he was incredible. Yeah, he was just borderline (laughs) dominant. I mean, he was just phenomenal. All right, uh, Desmond Ritter. I, this is something where Todd McShay and I would probably have to get a fist fight over this. Wow. I'm going to say Ritter probably, considering all the blah, blah out there, is probably 25. 30 and a half. That I can respect. Todd McShay is very high on this guy. And I, you know, Todd McShay has like one guy a year that I just shook my head about that he's in love with. This is the guy this year. Anybody who thinks this guy is an NFL-ready quarterback, I think is... They're, they're, they're either being paid off or they're high on something. I mean, you watch the guy since... Is he a great leader? Yes. Is he very athletic? Yes. Is he the prototype winning college quarterback? Yes. Does he have an NFL arm? No. Does he have NFL mechanics? No. Can't, uh, can't say I would draft him in the first round. Whatever, whatever that means for people out there. I mean, he might be drafted in the first round just because somebody wants to get him on a five-year contract and maybe they think they can develop him. Yeah, possible. 
I mean, I can understand that. Those teams at the back end right. say we don't need you right away. 30 and a half makes sense. Devin Lloyd. 20. 20, he says. 18 and a half. Okay. Not too far off, at least. Right where the Eagles are picking. It'd be nice if the Eagles got the linebacker. Bouncy them do. All right. Uh, Drake London. 15 and a half. 10 and a half. Okay, so they're so they're thinking he's going to be a lot higher than Yeah, that's fine with me. I don't need him. I think he's a little overrated anyway. I, th- I think he's going to be drafted very high because people are going to draft him on potential and not on actual ability. Garrett Wilson. You just said Drake London is 10 and a half, so I'm going to go with Wilson being 12 and a half. Garrett Wilson, 10. So him and London are right there with you. Right there. I'd take Wilson over Lloyd. I know I would, Sal Pell earlier said he didn't like Wilson, but I'd take Wilson over Lloyd. I like Wilson. I don't love Wilson. I just don't the way think he gets off the ball, man. I just don't think the Eagles need another similar body type, what they already have. I want to see them get something else. George Karloftis. Uh, 21 and a half? 19 and a half. Okay, so... They, That's the Eagles' spot right there. That is the Eagles' spot. Um, he's a pass rusher that I like, I don't love, because I think that he's got limitations. All right. Jamison Williams. Uh, 20 and a half. Jamison Williams, 12 and a half. Wow. Okay. Yep. Well, you might want to bet the under. Those wide that. receivers... Are all in that 10, here's 12 range. He's the one coming off the injury. And if you're a team They that, all seem to be coming off an injury. Wilson and uh, London are fine. London's injury wasn't that significant. No, but Pickens had an ACL. Mechie has an ACL. But those guys are going to be second pick round picks. We're talking about Jamison Williams. Yeah, there. but you can make an argument that Mechie would be a first rounder if not for the injury and Pickens as well. I would agree with that. Okay. I think there's somebody else I forget, too. Williams, Mechie, Pickens are the main three I'm thinking of. Or the receivers who are coming up in the uh, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, 17 and a half. Nine and a half. Oof. I would be surprised if he goes top ten. Not because I don't think he's a top ten talent, but because I think that there's going to be a quarterback or two overdrafted, and he's going to get knocked down the board. Jordan Davis. 14 and a half. Right on the nose. Now, see my reaction to that? The excitement I had? That was like surprise and excitement. Well, whatever it was, I showed a next octave level of excitement there. That's all. (laughs) File that away. Five. Kayvon Thibodeau. Three and a half. Five. Jordan Davis, 14 and a half means it's the pick right before Philadelphia. Yeah. I, um... I think Thibodeau's dropping because I think there's a contingent of teams who feel, and this is based on what I've heard and read, not personal knowledge, obviously. I'm not an NFL insider, or I wouldn't be sitting here across from you. Um, I know some. Nah, you know more than I do. No, NFL insiders. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I'm saying you know more than I do. Um, from what I understand, Thibodeau is a guy that people are concerned that he doesn't love the game 
he loves what the game does for his bank account kind of guy. Yeah. So there's people who are there's saying... a lot of people thinking he's dropping because of that. Yeah, so... Which I think is going to help whatever team gets him. Because I think Thibodeau is going to want to come in here and show some people up. He's still got an edge. He played with an edge. I mean, this was a guy who got up to, to go against Cal. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get up to go against a mediocre to low-level Pac-12 opponent if you don't want to play football. Let's get a couple bigger names here. Some big names. Kyle, uh, Kyle Hamilton. Seven and a half. Ten and a half. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, the Jets are right there. Kenny Pickett. Nine and a half. Right on the number. Wow. See, excitement right on the number. He He's a guy who's going to get overdrafted. I think at least two or three of these quarterbacks get overdrafted and knock some of these guys down the board. Malik Willis. Well, if Pickett's nine and a half, then... See, now here's the question. As you, The question you asked earlier applies right here. How are they judging this? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go Willis eight and a half. Nine and a half. So him and Pickett are the same. Right there. Okay. So I guess they're saying, who's at nine? Right in front of the Jets. The Jets are ten. I'm going to double check who's nine. They're saying that team at nine could be the spot. Surprised because like six is a quarterback spot. Right. That's what I was thinking. But I was like, Washington's 11. Washington's 11. Who is? Denver. Uh, Seattle. Not Denver. It was Denver. Now it was. Seattle. You're correct. It was Denver. Seattle. Okay. Well, you know what? It would, I would be intrigued because they, their, their two best quarterbacks in the roster right now are Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Couple more. Trayvon Walker. See, there's a lot of odds out there right now. Him going up the board. So I'm going to say three and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. There's people who are wondering: Does he go number one now? I've seen the, the. Odds of the number one pick, it, Hutchinson's like minus two twenty or two fifty. Yeah, Trayvon Walker's closing that gap though. He is McDuffie, Trent McDuffie, twenty and a half, seventeen and a half. So right in the Eagles' range still. Traylon Burks, uh, twenty two and a half, twenty three and a half. Neighborhood. I like Burks for the Eagles a lot. That's just me. Sal Pal loved them. Did you hear that in conversation today? If you missed my conversation with South Pal Antonio, it's on our YouTube channel. Check that out later. Last one, Tyler Linderbaum. 25 and a half. 28 and a half. A little lower than I thought. So, good over-unders. You going to play any of this? Uh, I'd look at the list again. I think there was one I would go heavy on the under. Ooh. Can he pick it? No, no. It was one of the, one of the, uh, one of the defensive players. All right, we'll wrap up tonight's show. We have another chance for you to qualify coming up here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Before we roll, I want to remind you about my friend Dr. Paul Lewis at South Jersey Advanced Health Solutions. It's the premier clinic for allergy elimination. You know, he told me that somebody called him the other day and had uh, an allergy, and it's already eliminated. Called, came in, already said, called back, said, thank you, Doc. I can't believe it. Mike Gill was right. I have been struggling with my allergies no longer. And now we have a listener who called Dr. Paul and said, wow, this worked for me too. It's an easy, quick procedure. He'll test you for a couple of allergies. Are you allergic to dog hair, cat hair, mold? Somebody posted today somewhere and said they're allergic to seafood. I said, well, I know someone that can help you with that. This is all about helping people, right? Why struggle with allergies? I no longer do. It's thanks to Dr. Paul Lewis. Here's the number. 856-285-4788. 
856-285-4788. Just give them a call and say, Doc, I struggle with allergies. This is what I'm allergic to, or I don't know what I'm allergic to. He'll test you out. He'll say, you know what's crazy? I went down there. I had no idea what I was allergic to. And this is what sold me on the whole situation. Because I will admit, it's a little bit of an interesting procedure at first. You're like, what am I doing here? I have my arms out in the air. And he's kind of just pushing on your arm. And and he pushed my arm, and I could not hold it up. And it went right down to my side. He said, you have Lyme's disease, which I do. I never told him that. He tested me for Lyme's, and he knew right away, you have Lyme's disease. And I said, yes, I do. And at that moment, I said, go ahead, test me for everything. And then we tested 10 minutes later, procedure done, drove home, felt great. Next day, no allergies. Here we are over a year later, still no allergies. Thank you, Dr. Paul. And if you're out there and have allergies, I couldn't refer you more. I want to see people not have to deal with what I used to deal with. Dr. Paul Lewis, South Jersey Advanced Health Solutions. Make the call today. Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. I'll get ready to wrap up the show. Before we do, Caesar Sportsbook giving feasts to new owners, new users. And by feast, I mean $250 Uber Eats gift card. Here's how it works. Just bet $50 total, win or lose. You'll get a $250 digital gift card for Uber Eats. Make sure you use the promo code RADIOEATS. That's one word. You must be 21 physically present in New Jersey. New customers with eligible promo code only. Real money wagers only that have a minimum odds of minus 200. 250 gift card redemption code and steps to redeem the gift card will be sent via email within 72 hours. Uber gift card terms and conditions do apply. See Caesars.com slash promo for full terms. Void were prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Caesars Sportsbook. Download it, people. You can get all those odds that we just talked about on over-unders for players and all that kind of good stuff on the Caesar Sportsbook app. Josh, what do you got going on tonight real quick? Well, I was talking about the Sixers game last night, maybe touch a little bit more on the NFL draft. So, of course, you have people have one more chance after a minute from now. They have two more chances, one coming up and one in an hour from now to qualify for the Bigger Trip Contest. That's right. That's all coming up on game night tonight. Don't forget Philly's lineup. Uh, Segura's leading off tonight, so they've made another change to their lineup already. And uh, it's uh, Kyle Gibson on the mound tonight. I think there's going to be a Phillies win tonight. I think the offense kind of breaks out tonight. I mean, they're in Colorado. They better. <laughs> what's uh, what's on the NBA schedule tonight? What am I going to get into tonight? I think is it is the Nets game tonight. Let me double check. Nope. It's uh, Hawks Heat is your TNT. Minnesota Memphis. There I am. I'm in that. Minnesota Memphis is, is is the series I'm liking tonight. New Orleans Phoenix. Late game, yep. Can it, and can the Hawks settle back into that series? Minnesota Grizz are NBA TV. Yeah. Eh, two small markets. Yeah, it is. But I think it'll be going to be a good series. Oh, that's, that's a series. I'm more interested in that game tonight than the other two. 
Tomorrow, it's a shame because Sixers and Brooklyn-Boston are at the same. Well, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the Brooklyn-Boston game's at 7, and the Sixers-Toronto's at 8. So you get an hour in. It'll yeah. be halftime. Yeah, I just wish they probably didn't play on the same day, though. No offense to them, but the Pelican-Suns I'm least interested in. Yeah, no interest in, because uh, I think the Suns will sweep that series. They should. I think Milwaukee sweeps Chicago. I think that Memphis wins tonight. I think and Chicago wins one game. I think the Hawks, Miami, I think Miami wins tonight, but I definitely think the game's closer than it was the first game. I think the Hawks give them a battle, but I think the, the Heat will go up 2-0, and we'll see that series get back to Atlanta. All right, that's our show for tonight. I am back tomorrow, but before I'm out of here, here we go. Give me caller number seven. 609-573-3776 609-573-3776 Caller number 7 You are qualified For a chance to win an Eagles Road trip this season You must be present to win Caller 7 At Slack Tide Brewing Company In Cape May Courthouse Caller 7 You'll get to pick the Eagles road game of your choice Which includes Airfare to the game, hotel stay for the weekend, and the pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. It's all courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Plan your next Philly Sports Trip at phillysportstrip.com. And it's brought to you by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. They'll be supplying food on Thursday, April 28th at Slack Tide Brewing Company. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.